0: What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast presented by the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. I am Mitch, and I am your host as always, and today I am welcoming a few of my great podcasting friends to discuss Legendary's MonsterVerse. My guests today include my pal Chris Hurtado from Inside the Sequel and my pal David Hopkins from Erie International. The three of us discuss and review all four installments in Legendary's MonsterVerse. We start things off with a discussion on Godzilla from 2014, then we talk about Kong Skull Island, then we talk about Godzilla King of the Monsters, and then we close things out with Godzilla vs. Kong. This was a really fun episode thanks to these this week's special guests, and I love both these guys, so I can't thank them enough for being there for this conversation. If you've been keeping up with our three-part fantasy Oscar series that we've been doing with Daniel Epler of Cobweb's A Gothic Cinema Podcast and Chris Hurtado from Inside the Sequel, Part 3 is officially out now and is available on the Inside the Sequel podcast feed. So head on over to Inside the Sequel and check that episode out. That series was insanely fun to do, and I'm so sad to see that it's over, but it was a ton of fun while it lasted, and who knows, maybe the three of us will think of something else that we can eventually apply that formula to someday again. But before I let this episode roll, we'd like to let you all hear from a few words from this week's sponsors at Direct West. Direct West is a proud partner of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. Is marketing getting in the way of running your business? Direct West has a local expert team right here in Saskatchewan that will, help, that will work with you to build your website exactly how you imagine it. Let them help you improve your online presence and head to directwest.com to learn more. Another quick reminder that if any of you are interested, you can head to fright-rags.com to, and use the promo code TERRORTABLE10 at checkout and that will save you 10% off your next order. Fright Rags, as always, has a ton of really cool merchandise right now, including their new Creep Show line, they have a new Shaun of the Dead line, there's a Hannibal line, and uh, The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs. So check out www.fright-rags.com and use the promo code TERRORTABLE10 today. And with all that out of the way, enjoy this week's episode of The Terror Table with DC Hopkins and Chris Hurtado.
1: Worst! Motherfucker never loved her Fuckin' never loved her. You ain't know now, you know now. still like the scrub jays with a toothbrush.
0: And Shit. welcome back to the Terror Table. I am your host, Mitch. So you hear me every single week. And this week, I am welcoming two special guests. Both are returning guests of the Terror Table, uh, but they have been on episodes that weren't just standard episodes of the Terror Table. First guest that I'm going to introduce is my pal Chris Hurtado from the Inside the Sequel podcast. How are you doing, Chris?
2: Bruh. I'm doing great, Mitch. Thanks for finally inviting me officially on this podcast.
0: Yeah. So you were on the feed previously when we did our part two of our fantasy Oscars draft, which I know Chris is in the middle of editing together that four hour fucking whatever the hell you (laughs) want to call it. Like we like I'm assuming you're going to cut it down to around two and a half hours. You better not. You (laughs) better not. Because there's so many moments in that that I'm like, Chris specifically has the option to cut stuff out to make himself look better because there were a lot of Chris moments in that episode. <laughs> so I'm like, yes, hashtag at
2: least a Hurtado cut.
0: Absolutely. I do not like the idea that you are the judge, jury, and executioner of what makes it onto that episode. Um, but I'm going to just have to trust you. I'm going to have to trust you. But yeah, so that's Chris Hurtado. And then we also have returning guest David Hopkins, my friend from Erie International, which you've been hearing us talk about for over 200 episodes now. But
1: how are you doing, David? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back on. I the, I, I, I always forget that the episode I was on last time was like a bonus episode, too. That was the Last of Us 2 episode, I think. Yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: yeah. And that's actually I wanted to clarify this because actually I didn't piece this together until like 10 minutes before we started recording this. but. Chris, I'm pretty sure you told me that you listened to that episode and you gave me a compliment on the guest.
2: Yeah, uh, just the passion that on just the video game The Last of Us 2. I never thought a video game podcast for like a horror movie podcast is like things that can coexist. And the fact that it was one of my favorite games in the last five years um, was on the terror table. And it was just you and Mitch talking. It was just so phenomenal. It was just, it, I had like a long drive home and I saw that popped up and I was like, well, why not? And then you guys were saying just exact same things that my buddies and I who are gamers here voiced in opinions as well. And it was just so nice to to know that outside the toxic realms of the internet and yeah. and in my opinion, video game editorials today are some of the worst editorials next to Fox News. And you know, you're championing The Last of Us Two is like which should not have to be a thing because it's a phenomenal game. Yeah. But the fact that it's on the chair table and you two just dissected it so well. It it was just a great, great listen. Oh, well,
0: thanks, dude. Yeah. David dissected it very well. I got to listen. That was one of those episodes where I was actually just like, and I know you feel bad about that, David, but I was like 100% bad. That's where
1: no. I say the way the way you presented that compliment, which I it, is very much appreciated. That's very kind of you to say is the is a spin on what in my head was me basically just being a really droning, boring nerd and not, no. and not shutting up. And when I got done recording with Mitch, I was like, dude, I'm sorry. Like I, I got way too like in-depth and wouldn't shut up. I'm going to try to not do that today. <laughs> no,
0: that's what you better you better do it today because that's why I have you on. That's why I like talking with you. And uh, yeah, no, this is just kind of perfect because I was saying before we started recording here that Chris has become he's a new buddy of mine over the last couple months that we have got to know each other through just the podcasting world and doing the fantasy Oscars. But uh, David's been my like like you're one of the very first uh, podcasting friends that I had that was from a different country, different host. Like we would have never met each other if we wouldn't have done our separate shows yeah uh, which both happen to be very similar uh but we have realized over the last couple of
1: years that we are basically the same person yeah it's it's honestly more strange now when it deviates those are the weird moments it's not so much weird when it's like well of course you also had like a transformative experience seeing the hills have eyes remake in high school like that sort
2: of stuff isn't (laughs) weird anymore now it's just
1: like oh you didn't like that okay that's strange (laughs)
2: <laughs> was it weird? Is it weirder, though, to lose your virginity while watching that movie? Or was that just a me thing?
0: Did you Whoa. lose your virginity while
2: watching <laughs> No, that movie? I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Over the hills have eyes.
2: <laughs> make.
0: uh there there are worse movies you can lose your virginity too i, I can assure you
1: that um, i was about to make a jokes. cookie monster joke because you you made a joke about me losing my virginity seconds before we started recording i was like yeah. which have you told this dude before i came on <laughs> oh,
0: well i wasn't sure if you're comfortable with sharing that but please oh, for I the love care. of god please just
1: just explain what you were wearing uh yeah no i lost my virginity wearing a giant cookie monster t-shirt like i say giant I guess it could go both ways giant cause I'm a big guy, but also the shirt itself uh, is just an, I still have the shirt. It's an all blue shirt uh, just with cookie monsters face being the entire front of it. And I somehow still had sex. <laughs> I'm not totally <laughs> that's sure. Quite,
0: <laughs> that's quite literally your fuck shirt. Like the, Everyone has a fuck shirt, I but David's shirt. happens. To I haven't
1: be- worn it since I probably wore it maybe one or two times after that. I don't even know. I think I bought it <laughs> the night. Before it was like a pretty new t shirt, and yeah, it's folded up in our closet somewhere. Break
0: it in. <laughs> what, <laughs> yeah, what you got what you got to do now, though, David, is you got to take Amanda out for a nice date when all this settles down and show it like just wear,
1: wear the cookie monster shirt underneath. Man. Yeah, underneath yeah. some nice clothes, just like show some of that blue eyeball pop out. Of the collar, yeah, or it can
0: be like Superman with the S underneath. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's well, always awesome. to assume that I've had sex, though, just off Face value, though.
0: The only reason I expected that you've had sex before is you're currently holding a uh, a Grogu, uh, <laughs> Baby Yoda, on your yeah. lap.
2: Yeah. Yes, it's because I can't bear children, so I substitute it with inanimate objects. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, that and a combination of all your Blu-ray set up in the background, it's, it's pretty clear that you are a man who fucks.
2: Yes, the, um, the, the statistics will show you the the higher number of blues in your collection, the most likely women find you attractive.
0: I've yeah. been trying to explain that to everyone in my life forever, and <laughs> no one seems to get the point. I'm so happy you brought that up, Chris. All yeah, right, well, let's get on. Let's get on with the show. We are going to be talking about Godzilla versus Kong today. We're going to be doing that in the main feature. Where I, I want to start things off in that section where we're we're going to talk about our experiences with all. The other two Godzilla movies and Skull Skull Island leading up to Godzilla vs. Kong. Uh, So we'll talk about that in the main feature. But beforehand, I just want to catch up with you guys. See if you've taken in any horror movies or horror books or anything that you want to talk about. Even before that, Chris, can you explain to our listeners what Inside the Sequel is?
2: Uh, Yeah. So Inside the Sequel is a podcast that I host and I have guests every week. Or at least I try to every week. And uh, we talk about sequel movies that don't really get enough attention or there are long lost sequels or sequels people didn't even know were two films. Uh, we don't talk about the most popular sequel movies at all. Um, it's because when I grew up, I watched a lot of, I see it feel like I'm saying sequel so often, but I watch a lot of sequel movies more than original works, mostly because of my love for horror movies and any horror movie fan will know that that's what make or breaks you as a film lover is, you know, being defined by, so many entries and franchises and and really low budget B movies are usually the sequels to such great movies, right? And yeah. um anybody can say they love Nightmare on Elm Street or they love um Fellowship of the Ring or something, for example, you know. But I really care about people who's who will die on a hill for something like Friday the thirteenth, seven, you know, or eight. Great That's movie. Jason of Manhattan. Or, you know, Not if a you great love movie. You, you, No, no, or like if you <laughs> You know, you love monster movies, you know, like you talk about, uh, boy, like the Godzilla movies, you know, everyone loves 54. But like, I mean, if you love a sequel Godzilla movie, I want to know what it is and why. I'm a a 98
1: boy myself. (laughs)
2: I'm sure that will come up.
0: Yeah, we just finished the boozy and I were on inside the sequel last week to discuss Godzilla 1998, which I'm sure will come up again today at some point. Um, but yeah, you you actually said something that kind of coincides with what we're talking about here today too, Chris is how I can't remember if it was the 98 Godzilla episode that you talked about this, but you had mentioned how real Godzilla fans take the good with the bad. Like, you just have to accept that there's going to be some lesser, like, people people who are true, like, hardcore Godzilla fans, they aren't super picky about absolutely everything in the universe. Because if you've seen all of those movies, or even half of them, you know that there's, like, continuity issues <laughs> all over the place. Uh, but that's not what you're there for. You're there for just to see your man on screen, and that man is Godzilla. And we can <laughs> say that, man, because it's not 1998. It's not a female <laughs> that's, Godzilla.
2: That's right. Yeah. It's a she. Awesome. More she's. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, I love Inside the Sequel. I know, like I said, Boozy and I were on last week and Boozy was on before that talking about the last Lost World Jurassic Park. Uh, I was on a few months ago talking about Child's Play 2. So check that podcast out and hear more from Chris in a few seconds. David, uh, I know that our listeners are very well versed in Erie International already for the most part, but in the off chance that there are people listening uh, who don't know about Erie International, what what is your show all
1: about? it's basically your guys' show. <laughs> I mean, not not exactly the same, obviously, but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's three white dudes talking about horror movies. Um, and, uh, you know, there's not enough of those on the internet, so we thought we'd throw our hat in the ring there. Um, You've been doing it a long time, though. Yeah, we've been doing it since, I uh, actually don't remember, 2015, maybe? I, I think it was 2015,
0: because we started in 2016, and I think you guys were a year ahead of us. Just a little bit, yeah, ahead.
1: Um, yeah, internet, Erie, and it, I'm saying it both wrong, Erie international, uh, playoff of Erie, Indiana, the TV show from the nineties. And then also the fact that, uh, each of the co-hosts is from a different country. I'm in the U S, uh, Andy's in Germany, Dave is in the UK. Um, and we all, there's like almost, I'm trying to remember the exact, Andy always remembers this stuff better than I do, but there's like a, f- somewhere in between a five to 10 year age gap between the three of us two. Uh, and then all three of us have different backgrounds with horror Andy being someone who grew up with it and always loved it. I was somebody who was not against it, but not super into it until later in life. And then Dave going into the podcast with someone who did not like horror at all. So we tried to have like a different kind of mix there. Um, and yeah, it's especially lately. It's been a show where we kind of are just guiding by whatever either comes up or if there's like a weird kind, like right now we're in the middle of this, like sort of, loose unhinged crime horror detective series which was not intentionally done um but we did uh what was it exorcist three and then after that we uh, fallen got brought up the denzel washington movie from the late 90s um so we did fallen and then we did angel heart uh and then we did a couple of old sherlock holmes movies like it just it it organically kind of goes to weird and random places but the other thing i would throw out there too we haven't done it as much lately, but we're getting ready to do another episode that does this. We also have found um, kind of a secondary, smaller audience uh, for literary horror, so we started doing uh, short stories and then novels and stuff like that too in the mix. I uh, really enjoyed doing those. I've had on some cool authors, um, so we have kind of a mix. And we're getting ready to do an episode over uh, the Woman in Black, the '80s novel, and then the the what's his name Harry Potter. Yeah, Daniel Radcliffe, Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, uh, the, oh, the movie. Good there. luck. I have not seen it since the theater, <laughs> yeah.
0: so we'll see. I tried rewatching it recently. <laughs> I
1: yeah, I I didn't. I don't remember loving it. I don't really remember much. I remember it having a, a surprisingly dark ending, which I don't know if that's in the uh, in the book or not. But Andy and Dave will be bringing more to the table on that one because they've seen the stage play in the UK that's been running in London for like 180 years or whatever, and apparently it's super cool and. Uh, so, they'll have some more info on that side of it, but it's been adapted a ton. And so, yeah, so we'll get a little bit of a literary thing in there, too. But that's basically it. That's too long of an explanation. I'm already doing <laughs> nope, it.
0: No, no, it's perfect. It's perfect. So there you have it. We have Inside the Sequel and Eerie International and the Terror Table here today. And with that all being said, let's talk about horror movies. Um or anything horror related. Chris, do you have anything you can talk about today? I did give you a heads up. Um, so you're looking around like you're you're like, oh shit.
2: Um, well, some movies that they might not be the most recent, but a few Movies that come to mind that I've seen in the last couple months. I've been so off the horror train, which is funny because I absolutely love the genre. I've been watching nothing but like Godzilla movies and um uh, a lot of like Oscar movies, you know, because I, I I love the Oscars, but a few movies that I've seen recent that I love. I did watch the uh, it's a, it's a vinegar syndrome film and it's not unfortunately part of the porn um, archives that they have there, <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh it's a uh, uh, night beast. And I absolutely loved it uh, because JJ Abrams did the score for the movie. Like he yeah. made the music and that was like his first claim to fame. And the night beast creature looks phenomenal. He's wearing like a sweet pimp, like pimp jacket with like a cool ray re- re- gun. And, uh, it is B movie as can be. And that's a, like right up my alley. Is this uh,
1: is this the one where he like butts in windows? Yeah. Like, randomly. Yeah. OK. I have this movie. I haven't watched it yet, but it's I so I heard someone fun. talk about it and I was like, all right, I'm going to buy that just off yeah. that alone.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is so fun. And uh, another. My recent God, watch- this, <laughs> another recent- creature
1: is amazing.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's such it a goaded movie.
0: Well, this is just the yeah, this has got boozy written all over it. <laughs> <laughs> um awesome cool night beast and what what else you got
2: another movie i watched that i i kind of can't shake off uh is it it's it's a it's an anthology horror and i'm late to the party on it but it was uh tales from the dark side it was a Scream factor recent release and i love like anthology horror like creep show is my thing uh body bags is one of, is personally my favorite anthology next to creep show um next. And uh, yeah, tales from the Tales from the Dark Side is something I watched in the last couple months. Where it, it really stood by, you know, I love the spoilers, the cat, um, oh, um yeah. story because I have a cat, and I hope sometimes that she would do that to me, and that's how I want to go. <laughs> if you've seen it, you'll know. I don't want to spoil it. It's
1: I haven't seen it, and so because of that, it makes it sound at least in my head, way more sexual and gross than maybe you mean it to be.
2: And if you listen to the podcast, you, 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 that, you know, that's what people hope to listen about. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I can tell you that Boozy was nearly killed by his cat at, at one point where he got, he got, he contracted sepsis from splitting up his cats <laughs> when they were, yeah. Oh man, it was crazy. It was, he, he ended up in the hospital for like a couple days. Oh, this man. is the same cat who, um, it's not my place to say, I know Boozy's going to come on here and he's going to, Talk about uh, what happened with him over the the weekend where he um, lost his cat, Dr. Loomis. And uh, all all, are, all is good now. He's recovering. He's F- uh, You should say physically
1: lost the cat. The cat was yes, not, with sorry. Him, not dead. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, not dead. But when it yeah, th- this is stuff that he can mention because uh, I know he definitely wants to because there's a lot of the terror table community to thank for um, the. The positive outcome of Boozy's cat returning and coming home from the vet, uh, but yeah, he got a when he got Doctor Loomis, he had another cat at the time, and they started attacking each other, and Boozy had to like get in between them and break them up, and one of them, I'm get, I'm thinking it's Loomis, like scratched the shit out of his arm, and he just like felt like like he just thought nothing of it, whatever, it's a cat scratch or yeah. whatever a couple hours later he passed out in his kitchen like he just blacked Holy out crap. yeah and he ended up in the hospital and if he didn't have someone with him at the time who took him into that hospital like he he was in bad shape so That's uh, crazy. yeah chris i i hope your cat gives you sepsis i guess
2: <laughs> she, she just pukes in my bed and i just roll around in it <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, I definitely I second Tales from the Dark Side. That's one of my favorite anthology horror movies. And I got the Scream Factory edition as well. And I I highly recommend picking it up if you're a fan of anthology horror um, and you if for some reason you haven't seen it or you haven't seen it in a really long time, it, it holds up pretty great. Like, you know, there's very few anthologies that are solid all the way through. But mm-hmm. Tales from the Dark Side is pretty close. Like there's some amazing shit in there.
2: Yeah. And if you have Steve Buscemi in a movie, I'm going to watch it. You know what I mean? And yeah.
0: Like the, the- wedding singer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Conair.
2: Uh, just uh, ew, these are a lot of movies yeah. that i'm not big on mitch i'm gonna have oh to my god dip.
1: yeah All <laughs> Two right, movies well, the... i watched a lot when i was a kid on vhs uh, <laughs> me as well buddy and yeah. that's
0: <laughs> yeah those are both yeah. big time i feel
2: uh, bad being on anything because i have such i, I guess they are such weird takes on movies but to me they feel normal and i see the look on people's eyes and they're like okay loser like if that's what you think and i'm like oh yeah maybe I i'm just built different you know
0: you are built different. I gave you 10 hours of that look while going through 1990 to 2020 in regards to Oscar movies. So you can, um, you can pretend to
2: to act like you like that. It's OK. I
0: no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change a thing about you. I just think that you are like you have some of the strangest takes on movies and I love it. Like I, I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything about it. But fuck, are you a unique character? <laughs> Awesome. Well, let's go on to David. David, you got anything? I know you just podcasted a couple days ago with Erie, so I'm not sure what you have, but uh, feel free to mention
1: anything on here. Um, yeah, not too much that I haven't mentioned on Erie. I'll, I'll say um, but the reason I don't have a ton is because I've been working so like literally all day, and then taking a break at uh, for dinner time, and then once everybody goes to bed, going back and working more. And your listeners might know I work in the comic book industry, so I'm lettering comics and. Uh, on that note, I can mention I'm lettering – this week I lettered the third issue of Noctera, um, which I would recommend uh, for sure. Not just because I, I letter it, but uh, this is the a book that's coming out right now from Image by uh, – issue two actually came out today uh, by Scott Snyder, who is like the big Batman DC writer. Yeah, uh, And he did American Vampire and Severed Trees, did a bunch of – or not Trees, what's it called? Witches. Oh, uh, I cool love comics. Severed, man. Severed is so good. Oh, yeah, me good. too. It's, yeah. it's great. Uh, Tony Daniel did the art and uh, yeah the the studio that I work with lettering studio we did the lettering for it and it's a it's like a post apocalyptic sort of viral slash maybe hell kind of thing uh, so there's this the, basically the sun goes down and it never comes back up and it's just darkness and eternal night and people are also infected by something that um, starts to change them into monsters and uh, there's hints all the way in the very first issue that there's maybe some sort of connection to, like, literal hell. That maybe there's a demonic thing happening. Um, but it's got great art. It's, you know, definitely, it's, like, a big, buzzy image book right now. Um, so it's got a lot of that, like, blockbustery kind of vibe to it. Uh, but definitely a horror book, too. Great, like, awesome designs. Like, she's the main character has this awesome, like... EDM looking helmet (laughs) that she wears. That's got like the, it almost kind of reminds me of destiny. It's got like this holographic thing. Uh, So I guess on that note, I'll just like mention a couple other comics. The uh, one that I mentioned on eerie uh, this past week that I read recently is this DC book called deceased like DC capital and then East. Uh, And it's at first glance, it kind of looks like DC's answer to Marvel zombies, which was like a big craze and zombie comics for a while. Uh, but it's not quite that it's it's a self-contained like miniseries. It's from Tom Taylor, who did the Injustice series, which people are really into. I, I never read any of it, but it's like a kind of a what if else worlds thing of like, what if Superman was bad? I don't know. I yeah,
0: see, it. Chris, Chris, pay attention here because I know that you're a Snyder Cut boy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so actually, yeah, I think it was kind of influenced or, or like the nightmare stuff from Snyder Cut is like from Inspired by Injustice. I don't know. That's not the yes. book. Uh, Deceased is from the same guy. Um, And it's a self-contained, probably I think it's like six issues. Uh, And basically the idea is that uh, Cyborg gets captured by Darkseid and taken to Apocalypse. I don't remember all the – I'm not as well-versed on DC. Uh, And they're doing the anti-life equation stuff. It gets corrupted. Cyborg is able to make it back to Earth because he's connected to the internet. It – immediately uploads this anti-life corrupted equation to the internet. And then it becomes um, Stephen King's cell only better because no one likes that book or movie uh, to where if you see the equation, like on a screen, like on a cell phone or a TV or whatever you, you go nuts and your only focus is to, is to kill. So they're not zombies because they're not undead. They're not trying to eat brains. They're not trying to eat or consume anything. They're just trying to kill life. If they see life, they want to end it. Um, so immediately when the equation hits the internet, like 600 million people die. So they let you know, like right away in this book, this is an elseworlds thing. This is not Superman boy scout stuff. People are dead. They're not coming back. There's no way to save them. There's no way to reverse it. There's no Uh, Lazarus pit. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) And, and that's the thing. Like they're not dead, but there's no way to reverse it. So they start clawing at their faces. It's pretty violent for a DC book. Uh, but the thing I loved about it is that it's like it's really fast paced. It's really committed. So like Batman dies issue one, like he's out. (laughs) So they let you know right away, like we're not, you know, we're not going to be precious with these characters. We're going to do cool stuff with them, but there's no reversing this. I think in like issue two or three, they're like, we can fix this with magic. Let's get Constantine in here. They bring in Constantine and immediately he's like, I can't fix this. So it becomes this thing of like, how do we save as many people as we can? And how do we stop killing people? And Tom Taylor's great at mixing horror with horror ideas with the DC characters. So like one of the moments that I I thought was really cool is like two of the flashes are down in a bunker and the superheroes show up. Some of the superheroes show up and they're like, what are you doing? We need your help. And they're like, if we get infected, the world's done. Like if one of us gets infected, we can infect the rest of the world in seconds because we're so fast. So it's, it's taking like, well-established ideas in the DC universe melding them with horror. And I thought it was really effective and great. I mean, I had kind of held off on it forever because I was like, man, I don't want to read a zombie book and DC, you know, it, it seems really kind of over overdone. Uh, but it was really cool. I mean, if, if you, if you don't like DC or superhero stuff in general, I mean, you're not going to be able to avoid that It's a bunch of superheroes. Uh, but if you like the horror stuff enough, uh, there's definitely something there. And it's got a great cover of Batman all like, messed I'm, up i'm looking at that
0: cover right now and it's it's so cool yeah i see there's a couple for like superman and harley quinn and joker
1: yeah and in um, the trade uh, i bought the trade and the trade in the back they have all these variant covers and that was another cool thing all of the variant covers are uh famous horror movie poster homages so there's like a. Uh, uh, I think it's Harley Quinn and laying in bed of like the Nightmare on Elm Street poster. There's a an It one, like they they did a bunch that's of this, cool. the Shining.
0: Yeah, I see. Like I'm looking at one that's uh a D is for deceased and it's V for Vendetta, but it's Batman. I don't
1: remember that one
0: and that's Wonder confusing. Woman. <laughs> yeah. D yeah, I for don't know deceased. why that's there. <laughs> Either but... way, it's on Google, so it might not be real. Even.
1: <laughs> yeah, I but no, no that
0: sounds good. So like, as someone who. I personally wasn't a fan of the Marvel uh, zombie run. Like, is this quite different than that?
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty different different. characters. The Marvel zombie stuff, when it originated, it was in Ultimate Fantastic Four and it was just kind of an arc that Mark Miller did and it was more serious and kind of gnarly. And then the bigger the Marvel zombies, like, I guess, universe, whatever you want to call it. The bigger it got, the more just like outlandish and goofy it became and kind of became known for being outlandish and goofy. This is definitely grounded. There's there's comedy in it, um, but it they're not messing around with death. Like (laughs) it's people getting killed left and right. And um, like just taking into consideration the fact that these are like gods on this earth. So if one of them gets, you know, flipped and gets infected, they, they can do insane amounts of damage. So it's it's not goofy, it's not silly like the Marvel Zombie stuff was. Uh, it, it's a lot different, and it's very self-contained. It's one story. There's an ending. That's it. Um, I'm sure they could and probably will. I think it was successful. Do sequels, uh, but it doesn't feel like it's setting something bigger up. It's yeah. It's a one. The only
0: point. the only thing I can remember though, like because I had a couple of those like Marvel Zombie trades, mm-hmm. um, and the only one thing I can remember is I think it was it had to it was the Spider Man one. I think this happened, uh, but. There's a panel where, like, Peter walks in on Aunt May eating Uncle Ben. <laughs> and oh, really? I was like, I was like, okay, hey, that's sick. Like, that, that's kind of cool. But then everything else is kind of like, okay, yeah, they're, uh,
1: they just start. I, I worked at a comic book shop at the time when that stuff was coming out. And it was like one of those things that you could feel, especially working in a shop where it was like, they, and I'm not trying to disparage the people who worked on it, because I'm sure they worked hard and cared about what they were doing. But it definitely had a feel of like, we're making these because people are buying these. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We're going to pump out as many as we can. They did one back then. I don't know if it was an official Marvel Zombies book or not, but it was uh, a Punisher miniseries that was like the Punisher mixed with 28 Days Later, basically. Yep. And that yep. one was pretty sweet. And But it yeah. was it wasn't as goofy. I don't even know if it was part of the official continuity or not, but – I remember liking that one. And it's basically like everyone's infected and the Punisher's the only one that's not. So he's just... So it was kind of like 20 Days Later mixed with I Am Legend. So he's kind of going out at night and just like yeah. killing people <laughs> that are, are turned or whatever. Yeah. Um, anyway. Oh, no, that's so, cool.
0: That's yeah. Cool. cool. Um, yeah, I only have one thing today. And then I think we're, like, we're all here to talk about Godzilla. So like I think we'll have a little bit of a shorter pre-feature and just get right into the goods but I really want to talk about something with you guys and it's funny because our last episode we had our friend Alexis Olenek on and she was talking about how she misses hearing about video games on the terror table and you know the occasional anime because our old co-host Diego he he's a constant gamer and loves anime and everything and I, I love both those things as well I just don't take it in as as often as I'd like to because of the massive time commitment. I need to to watch nine movies rather than play a video game, you know? (laughs) Uh, But today I am talking about a game that I guess both of you have played, and it is Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice. Um, So, So, yeah. So I have had this game recommended to me a couple times over the years, but it has never really stuck because... It just, it's, it sounded like something that I, it's totally nothing like what it sounds like. Like Hellblade, Senoa Sacrifice, no disrespect to like the anime culture and everything, but I was picturing like a, like a crazy anime type game. And like, it's a, I was totally off on that. This game is like, it, it follows a Celtic Viking warrior uh, named Senua. And how it works is you hear, You play this character who hears voices talking in her head uh, from all different directions. You have whispers, screams, and like everything in between. Um, But all while aimlessly searching for some shred of familiarity and trying to get your way out of this, what seems to be uh, continuously moving towards perpetual hell, like literal hell. And uh, it, it definitely, this is a game that it requires an attentive player you need to be focused and like even sometimes listen to the voices in your head because sometimes they're trying to help you. Sometimes they're not. Um, but this game, man, it is just pure anxiety and terror. Like I, <laughs> I, uh, I, we was not what I was expecting and I fucking loved it. I think this game is like a borderline masterpiece. Actually, I'm just going to say it is a masterpiece. And uh, it is imperative, though, if you're going to play this game, you need to play it with headphones on. I don't know if you guys did that as well, but like I have like you guys can see what I'm wearing right now. I played it where I'm like on my computer, um, because if you get Xbox Game Pass right now, which you can get on any computer, it's a dollar a month, Uh I think just for the first month. But you can play like any of their titles that they have on there and Hellblade is one of them. Um, But yeah, this this game is just fucking insane. And uh like what, one of the voices, one of the main voices, she kind of sounds like Kate Blanchett whispering in your ear, like kind of Lord of the Rings <laughs> style. And then you have another voice that comes in that sounds like Ralph Innocent from The Witch. Like it's it sounds like the dad from The Witch. Who is it? It's
1: coming. That song again. Is it? Is it? Is it? Tell her.
0: Yes. The source of the darkness. It's coming. The game is just incredibly metal. <laughs> like any any <laughs> anything that features a literal blood eagle, if you're familiar with like Viking culture at all, or, uh, or Hannibal, <laughs> or Hannibal, yeah, there is uh, a legitimate blood eagle in this game. And I need to say, like, this isn't a spoiler, but you, since you guys have both played it, Sea of Corpses is potentially the coolest thing I've ever played in a video game. Like, I thought that that whole level was just unbelievable. Do you guys is it ringing a bell? I know you guys played it yeah. a while ago.
2: Yes, I love that. And it's like also like when it's its most action packed and I, I'm not one of those people like you have to ha- a video game has to have a lot of interaction with like gameplay wise because I'm very much of the opinion of and, uh, uh, you know, I really want to push. Whenever I talk about videos with people, that the narrative is just as important, if not more important. And uh, Hellblade with that Sea of Corpses stuff, I, I took—I still have Snapchats of like I took it sent to my friends because I could not believe what was on on my screen and yeah. just the gameplay as well. That it's so simplistic, but fits that kind of style of games. Um, is just so perfect. Cause I was always dreading because like when you get the action pieces, it's it's quick, it's difficult and terrifying to the point where you never know when it's going to happen. So throughout the whole game, you're wondering, oh crap, do I want to progress more? Because I, I need to turn the light on or something, or I gotta take my headphones off for a second because I'm sweating my ass off because I'm so yeah. scared.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a combination between like the the horror that you feel. And the emotional trauma that almost the, the game almost makes you relive with the character, um, because this is a game where they they had uh, they had a massive team of game developers on this thing. I know Ninja Theory did it, but uh, they actually had recovered schizophrenic people who shared their own personal experiences, and they incorporated their experiences into the game design. I watched the making of documentary, and there's doctors explaining how, schizophrenia and psychosis works to a room full of game designers and they're all like taking it very very seriously and you i highly recommend seeking out the documentary i know uh, david you said you watched it as well hey
1: yeah it's on the game um the only other time i've seen that is the last of us remastered they did that too they put the document the last of us one is a feature length documentary too and they put it on the game itself but yeah, if you go it's like second options or something, if you go in there, it gives you a little warning of like, play the game first, but then once you have come back and you can play it straight off the game. Yeah, I, I basically everything you guys said. I mean, I, I played this back when it came out. I actually first heard about it from Diego. He talked about it on the terror table. and <laughs>
0: yeah, I had. <laughs> I, I messaged him afterwards. I was like, "Okay, this seems familiar." Did you talk about? It? He's like, "You, I promise you, I talked about that yeah, on the terror." Table. <laughs> uh,
1: I, I had heard about it, but in a similar way you had, where it's like I'd heard the name, and it has one of those names, like you said, that's that. Without context sounds like nothing. Um, yeah. What was that game? I, see, even right now, I can't remember. I played a game. I played a bunch of a game during the pandemic. Uh, is it called Revenant? I think it's called Revenant. From the Ashes or something. But it, it's a this awesome game that has one of those phrases where it's like so designed for a video game to be the most forgettable name ever. Like you can't. It's just, it just is a bunch of random words, it seems like. So Hellblade was that until Diego talked about it on the podcast and I sought it out back then. I had a a pretty like... That's one of those pieces of pop culture that um, I have all of these different connections to. I mean, I think as a piece of art, it's 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 pretty extraordinary. I think as a game, like it was, a lot of people called it uh, one of the first like indie triple A games. Like it has this triple A look and feel. Like the the visuals and the graphics are insane, but it's not from a triple A studio. Um, I think that I don't remember her name, but the uh, the woman who does the lead performance, uh, yeah. she is like stunning like and like she has the the craziest in a good way eyes that like Mm -hmm. pull you in immediately and her performance in the game is so good and she's their like accountant at the studio or something (laughs) but it is they say in the documentary but she's like not i think typically a motion capture actress and she just has this like one of those looks where you're like immediately drawn to her and her she's so good in the game uh, so as a piece of art, as a piece of game, uh, as a, as an actual game, the gameplay itself, the design, the story, all that stuff. Uh, but then also, and i is going to bring it down for a second. My mom had not long before that died un- completely unexpectedly in her sleep. And overnight, just my mom was gone. And I was for a long time before I started going to therapy in this place where it was like just getting through it and figuring out ways to try to mourn. And I'd never lost anyone close to me before. And suddenly I lose a parent. Like it was this really rough, weird time. And that game, it was one of those things where it was like, I felt like it helped me, but it also really destroyed me, especially the, the ending. Cause a lot of the game is about accepting death and accepting, um, both your own mortality. And then also, uh, it, it's not a, a mother child relationship in the game, but, um it was impossible for me to not for it to not resonate on a lot of different levels that i did not know it would go to and it is one of those games like you said that like by the time you get through the ending whether or not you have had just had a parent die or not (laughs) because i know that's not going to be the norm fortunately for most people uh it's an exhausting like trip in a good way through the end of it and similarly to stuff like the last of us and those other games so like it it hit me and dug into me Really strong, strongly back then, and stayed with me for a really long time. For again, multiple reasons, but then also that I had that emotional tether to it. And I mean, just I mean, I remember, I can remember vividly being downstairs, and my wife and my kid were upstairs, and I was just like weeping (laughs) at the end of the game, and being scared that they were going to come downstairs because I I'm not scared to show emotion or anything, but it was like I wasn't at a place where I wanted to talk about stuff yet, Mm -hmm. and I, I also was like i don't want to have to explain to my wife i'm crying at a video game <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah it, it it wrecked me so it's great you said use the word metal earlier have you watched the trailer for the second one no i haven't and oh, I, boy, I plan on doing you that to tonight. watch that <laughs> yeah and that's uh, why
0: i really yeah. wanted to get through it because uh knowing about the second one coming out and within mo- within like an hour of playing that game i was hooked like i was like Like, not to sound hyperbolic as shit, but this is just like totally a game for me. Like, it just ticks off every little box of things that I love about this medium. And, um, like, it made me think of The Last of Us 2 and the way that it pushes the boundaries of what video games are capable of. I know this predates it, but like, this is another example of one of those, like, a video game that's really, really changing the way that we can tell a story and, uh, and how. We, I just, I think it's stunning. It's a, it's and an and also game.
1: on the mental health side of it too, I've really appreciated and liked that this dealt with mental health in a different way. I I'm, I'm somebody who, and we've talked about this tons off air uh, who struggles with anxiety and depression and stuff like that. And have gone to therapy and, and all kinds of different stuff to, to try to work on it and deal with it. And so on one hand, I appreciate this, but especially in the past, like 10 years, five, 10 years, there's been this train trend in gaming, especially indie gaming where, there's some sort of like quirky new game. And then you get like and I'm not knocking it because again, I'm somebody who suffers from depression and anxiety, too. But I'll get an hour into it, and I'll be like, I bet this game's going to be about depression. And then you yeah. get an hour in, you're like, what? ok, this platform is secretly about depression. Like it's yeah. I, I I totally don't. I'm not going to be super cynical and say that these people are are doing it because it's a trend. I have, like wholeheartedly believe that these games mean something to these teams and and everything else. Um, but (laughs) it's just, it's so hard to ignore now when it comes up again, where I'm like, I didn't know I was buying a game about mental health, but okay, I'll, you know, get through it. And a lot of the stuff, that stuff kind of just does a surface level thing. Senna was like straight up schizophrenia. Like you, Mm -hmm. you have these voices, like you were saying earlier, like it's not a, Hey, sometimes I'm sad kind of game. It is a, like, she is in an era where there's no way to treat that. So there's no explanations for it. She has no way of knowing I have this mental illness or I have this thing. It is demons in her head. That's the only thing she can believe it as. And I thought that was such a refreshing and cool, even though it's sad, way to look at something like that because you don't think about that stuff too yeah. often. You don't see it in fiction that often, especially yeah. stuff like that in those eras where they didn't have explanations. They didn't have medicine to deal with with that stuff. Even now yeah. we you know arguably have it, – it's not as much of a serious thing as it should be. And that game was great because they were like they go all in on it and it becomes a cool gameplay feature because it's almost the tutorial in -hmm. ways like when you're like, oh, I can roll because your voice tells you try rolling (laughs) like, you know, like it it helps that way. But then narratively, yeah, it's it's great. It's so good. I
2: I think it's I think it's really powerful um, when games like um, like something like Senua um, things like the granddaddy of narrative gameplay and art and games is when you can get sucked into a world where you don't know what's happened to the play- person you were playing as when the game starts because Senio, you don't know much about her past other than she has left her home and you're learning about her past you kind of get that with like shadow of the colossus and and Iko, yeah, right it's one of my and- favorite games a little, absolute masterpieces and, and you get that sometimes with some of those really good final fantasy games you know which is like one of my favorite movies uh, games ever and you don't know much about joel in the last of us you know and i think if a game has the ability for you to care about characters without fully encompassing their entire life story you know i think that's what makes it special and when you come especially now we guy us guys we're we're at that age where Games now have evolved so much, and we can remember kind of the birthplace of like narrative and games. And then now we have this argument of our games are still, which is blowing, mind-blowing to me. And the yeah. argument now, because we're film people too, do games belong in the same conversations as movies? I th- love how games can kind of nestle in the middle of that argument because something like Sen Hellblade Senior was I don't think you can make a movie like that, but you need to tell that kind of story and you can't just yep. do it like at a book level or a novel, you know, to have it interactive and immersed is like the perfect medium for that kind of thing. Now, absolutely. I hope- and I hope movie, get, movies can tackle those kind of issues like Hellblade did or something yeah. like The Last of Us. And But I, I just think when it comes to those kind of discussions – because they are very relevant. You can't talk about a game without wondering where that conversation is with – where it stands with movies and TV shows because it's a medium. It's pop culture. And It will be interesting
1: seeing The Last of Us TV show because they can't adapt it one for one because mm-hmm. – It's a game, not a, not a series. And so they can make it into a great series, but they're going to have to adapt it as a series, you know? Mm
2: -hmm. And how many times have we played shout? At least I I know, can I speak for myself? How many times have I played final fantasy X and shadow the Colossus, you know, and last of us and these kind of games, they fit for what they are in their medium and it can't be replicated. And you can only, only hope that people take your advice and play those things, you know, because you can't replicate it.
0: Yeah, and that's what like bottom line. I just say if you're listening, like, if I'm so happy that I had you guys here for this, for talking about this game in sp- particular, because that's three people that are can heavily um, recommend this this game to people because oh, yeah. it is it is a true piece of work, and I can't, uh,
1: and I can't wait for you to watch the trailer for the second one, dude. Like, awesome. I'm laughing just because it is. One of I showed so I showed people who didn't care about these games and had never played the first one that trailer. Have you seen it,
2: Chris? I haven't yet. No. Oh man, I, did, I was excited when they announced it though. I was like, like spine tingling. I was excited. It's one of the most like intense
1: like metal trailers I've ever seen. And there's from what I remember, like little to no metal things you would think you would associate with metal. It is just like fa- close ups of of her face screaming. Like <laughs> it's yeah. just like crazy crazy i'm i'm so excited for it i'm also super bummed because it's a xbox exclusive and i have a ps5 (laughs) so Yeah, I I won't be able to play it until they port it, but it looks great. Looks like
0: you broke, you broke PS5 boys. They're just going to have to get on the PC, the PC, uh, (laughs) Sony
2: ponies over here, fam.
0: (laughs) No, but that's okay. Well, I have so much to talk about like with this game, but I want to try and keep it somewhat short, but like long, long story short, I got a brand new computer. That's why I've been playing on, I've been playing video games on my computer for the first time in since Diablo two, um, when I was like 12, but, uh, my computer died in the last 20 minutes of Hellblade. <laughs> so, like, the power the power supply fucked up. So I had to take it back, and I had to wait a week for a new one to come in <laughs> until sucks. I could finish the game. <laughs> and it's funny, because even after a week of being away from it and just playing that final mission, like, and that's the other thing. I feel like we we've talked so much about how like the the game design is so spectacular. And like the narrative is what's really amazing about this game. But it also has some of the best combat I've ever played mm-hmm. in a game. Like some of the most immersive combat. And like the sequences where you're fighting. You feel like such a goddamn badass. And it is just, <laughs> it's so much fun. And uh, it's a really short game too. So like a, you could get through the thing in eight hours, nine hours if you wanted to. But yeah, easily. I've, yet, I've yet to speak to anyone who didn't need to take breaks while playing it because it is it's heavy it's very heavy and like you had mentioned david that this is it's kind of like it gets old and i think that's the thing with horror as well is that like does every single movie need to be about depression and like all this like (laughs) mental health stuff and i hope people don't take that wrong because again i i'm not knocking
1: that i get it i'm with you man no it it resonates but it yeah i don't know it's gotten to a point now sometimes where i'm like Okay, I get it. Yeah.
0: Exactly. It's like what yeah, like for what sometimes we want to play video games to have fun. <laughs> and like you you can have like Hellblade is a lot of fun, but it's a it's a very heavy experience and I just think like and to echo what Chris said before how like this this story just wouldn't work as well outside of this medium. Like it's so built like the the experience of schizophrenia, like the immersive experience that you get in this game it's unlike watching a movie or reading a book or anything like it. You're physically right there in the world with her and you, you wake up just as confused as she is when the game starts. And uh, like the, even down to like the, the, like if I have negatives to say about the game, first of all, I hate that you can't jump. Uh, But I I understand why you can't, but I still I hate it. Um, It just makes because that's just the way the game functions, whatever. But the puzzles
1: were driving me insane a couple times. Yeah, Uh, that's the only place I also would put a little bit of a I they're fine. I don't think they suck. I don't think they're as bad as a lot of people say that they are. Yeah, Uh, but they are. You get to a point where you're like, okay, you guys are padding the game a little bit or for pacing where it's like we need something to bring it down before we ratchet it back up again. And there's only so many times you can make things line up to make symbols until you're like, all right,
0: <laughs> I get exactly. it. And even there were a couple times where I lined up the symbols. I'm like, OK, like that that's <laughs> what I've been looking for. Like, come on. Uh, but no, the, the game is just amazing. Uh, so much so that within the first couple hours of playing it, I reached I was telling David about this, but I reached out to the man who worked as the mental health advisor on the game, Paul Fletcher. And uh, he got back. Like I, I reached out to him to try and see if he'd come on the terror table. And he said he would. And then I, I watched that making of documentary and I was like, holy fuck, I really hope this guy forgets that I messaged him because like he is way too smart to be on our show. Like he's like a li- li- literal doctor in, at Cambridge in England. And I'm like, man, if I have him on the show, like first of all, Boozy can't be there. Like, <laughs> he, he absolutely can't talk to this man.
2: <laughs> I'll make but, sure to have him on my show uh, yeah. during that time. Just let me know; I'll take care of Boozy. Okay, yeah,
0: we'll do. But yeah, either if he ends up wanting to, because he said, "Yeah, I'm still down to do it." Just uh, have to do it in a couple of weeks. I'm like, after finishing the game, I'm like, "Fuck, please forget about me. Forget my message. Uh, just let me be an admirer from afar." Because uh, yeah, the game is a masterpiece. It's fucking great play it check it out uh do you guys want to talk about godzilla and kong let's do it yeah hi James. all right we'll be right back
1: this is our only chance we have to take it we need kong the world needs him
2: So
0: To no one. We All right, and we're here to discuss Godzilla versus Kong, which was just released uh, last week. If you're listening to this, it would have came out on March 31st was the, the official release date. I know that in the United States where both of my co-hosts this week are f- hailing from it was free or was it free on HBO Max or did you still have to rent it? It's free.
1: Yeah, oh. everything everything is a 30-day window.
0: All right. So yeah, we have so wait, does it go the same for the Snyder cut?
1: Mhm. Yeah. Okay, so it's that good one. That one, I've that one watched I think is original, times. so it'll be on there forever. But oh, the, I like day and date Warner Brothers things are like thirty days, so like Wonder Woman '84 is not on there anymore.
0: I'm just happy I got my Snyder cut shit out of the way early because I've now watched it three times. That's ridiculous. That's <laughs> a twelve movie, hours of your life. A movie that I don't even really
1: like. I'll never watch <laughs> it.
2: The crazy thing is, I would have paid and done disgusting, unexcusable acts against humanity to watch. If it didn't come out for free, that's because you're a sick
0: men. Uh, but we are here to talk about Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> so let's do that. <laughs> but the reason I was saying that is because in Canada, you have to, you can either rent it from home or go see it in the theater. Mm. And you know me, baby, I'm willing to die for Godzilla versus <laughs> Kong. So I, I marched down to that theater. And I saw it. <laughs> okay. um, I saw it in laser ultra HD. Blu-ray. Or, sorry. Uh, yeah, they called it laser. It was like presented and I don't even know what the fuck it is. It was like either Just way making
1: stuff up to Trude- get people to go what's back Trudeau
0: to the theater.
2: doing up there. What's he messing things up? We have uh, recently switched to drinking uh, water bottles out of uh, water, out of uh, when we have water bottles uh, out of uh, plastic. Uh, sorry, away from plastic towards uh, paper.
0: I'll just say right now that I'm so happy that I had the chance to see it in a theater. And I know like I you guys would have done that in a heartbeat if you could have uh, done it safely. I'm willing to die for this art more than you guys, I think. <laughs> No, but but it was it was a fucking insane theatrical experience. But uh, before we get on with all that, I want to get talking to you guys about Godzilla and Kong to begin with. So let's uh, let's go around the room and we're going to go through each installment. Just give our brief thoughts where we're at. So uh, let's start with Chris. What are your thoughts on Godzilla 2014 directed by Gareth Edwards?
2: Hate it. I love him for doing Rogue One. Hate him for this one. It was when I saw opening night with my boys in high school because I was a senior when it dropped. And uh, I haven't been that hyped for a movie in a long time. And it, I remember thinking, really? Like, I I was so excited for this. And, yeah, it's, it, I've tried watching it three different other times, and I still go in optimistic and always leave disappointed. And it's a different type of movie than I always expect it to be. Even upon rewatch, like I know this is happening. I know this is going to happen and it still leaves a sour taste in my mouth. And I can't help, but think maybe I'm the problem at this point, but I feel like it can't be all my fault. Right.
0: Well, that's a fair assessment, Chris. Um, there's a good chance that you are the problem. But uh, David, <laughs> David, I know that you've uh, recently switched. You switched teams. So yeah, that's 2014.
1: Yeah, I when it came I've so I've only seen it twice. Once was in the theater and then the other one uh, the second time was like three weeks ago. And uh, I didn't I, I wasn't that down as down on it as you are, Chris. But I didn't I didn't love it. Um, I thought it was kind of boring and like not not as much Godzilla in it than I wanted or expected. Now, back then, my experience with Godzilla was the '98 movie, uh, and that's so probably you, you it. had peaked. You had peaked. <laughs> yeah, I started. I could only go down because yeah. I started at the apex, and so I uh, no pun intended. But I, <laughs> I never really went back to it because I didn't really have any interest in it. Um, and then, yeah, recently I went back and watched all of the legendary movies leading up to the anticipating this one coming out. And I I have two different I I won't give them now, but I have two different rankings of the the legendary MonsterVerse movies. Uh, One is in terms of just like as objectively as I can look at it was in terms of like craft and filmmaking, cinematography, pacing, all that kind of stuff. And then the other one is just fun, like the most fun ones. And 2014, uh, in terms of just like craft for me, is at the top of the list. It's not at the top for fun (laughs) because it's not that kind of movie. So it's it's definitely not what I wouldn't argue like, oh, no, it's a blast. Like there's all this crazy stuff happening. This is wall to wall monster ball action. Like it's not that. Uh, but it's also it was easier for me to watch it this time knowing, OK, I know what kind of movie he's making. I know what he is trying to do. It's not going to be I'm not going to be surprised that Brian Cranston dies after 20 minutes this time because I know that that happens. Uh, and I was able to appreciate it way more for what it is. And now I really like it. Now I, I it's I think it's great. But a long journey years in between those two. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh, I know like on the terror table, everyone knows at this point that pretty much all of us were not fans of Gareth Edwards, Godzilla. And I think it comes down to how we talk about so many times on the show, but since we're talking about it here one last time, potentially the coolest trailer of all time, like one of the best trailers you'll ever see. Uh, So the hype could not have been, the hype couldn't have been higher. Like it was just we I was so, so excited for the movie. And even when I left it the first time, I didn't think it was a bad movie. Like I was like, obviously, it's competently well made and it's uh it looks good. And I see what they were going for. I just think that around that time, 2014, I would have been 24 years old when I saw that. I just was like, you know what? I might have just outgrown this Godzilla thing. Maybe I'm just not not an exciting
1: movie. Yeah, it's it's not it's. It, but I think the the thing that I appreciated about this time was that it's it's a disaster movie, really. Like it's it's yeah. a big scope, like Roland massive, Emmerich's Godzilla. Uh, it's like exactly,
2: Roland Emmerich's <laughs> Magnum <laughs> Opus. Yes,
0: <laughs> but that's the the. But here's the thing. So yeah, I I left the theater pretty lukewarm. And then eventually I saw it again when it came out. Cause I got it for Christmas as a Blu-ray. I watched it again. And I was like, yeah, it's just, I don't like this movie and I've been beating it up ever since. Um, but I did rewatch it after I saw David's David, gave it a four star on letterbox. <laughs> and I know that we, cause we had talked before about having similar feelings about that movie, that specific movie. Yeah. And, uh, like, I, I can't remember what your review was, but I think it was just, well, I was,
1: I was shocked. Yeah. I didn't expect yeah. to like it as much as I did.
0: Yeah. And then I commented something that like goes like traitor. And then you said, you're like, yeah, right. Like you're not allowed to turn around and like movies, Dr. Sleep, um, yeah. because I <laughs> shit all over. <laughs> yeah, I've done that. So that this, is this will now be the third time <laughs> 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 because I did watch Godzilla 2014 again, and I have come around on it quite a bit. I still don't love it. I think there are things about it that are great. And those things are the kaiju monster action. Like the reveal of Godzilla himself is stunning. Just absolutely an incredible scene. Like that reveal. And then when you see him square off with Muto. And uh, it's just like, oh my God, I'm, you get so amped. And then I remembered what I hated about it. Uh, they, they're about to fight. And then they cut to a different scene. And that happens like a couple different times in that movie. It's just like for the love of god we do not need to just go back to Aaron Taylor-Johnson seeming like he's just like like i still feel that way that the guy couldn't have cared less about his family it's like he was trying mm. to die in that whole movie yes. that was That's a problem that i had scenario Ooh, exactly cool. and he's yeah and it's so looking back on it now my general thoughts on it are imagine just imagine if Brian Cranston had led this whole movie mm-hmm. how much better it could have been just like and I, I understand that that was their, the the story that Gareth Edwards wanted to tell, and um, he wanted Aaron Taylor Johnson to be the one to lead the film. But the thing is, when you start the movie off with such an incredible, like high paced, uh, like fucking frantic performance from Bryan Cranston, and then you he dies and then you you cut to a G.I. Joe for the rest of the movie and he has like just as much life as a G.I. Joe. Uh, so I can't stand like and I actually like Aaron, Aaron Taylor Johnson. I just think he's really bad in this movie. And uh, Elizabeth Olsen is another person who I really, really enjoy. I really like her as an actor, but they give her nothing to do in this movie. So that's that's a problem for me. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we're talking about a Godzilla movie. You should, you're not you, you should never be going into these movies for the human element. But this movie, more than any of the other ones we're talking about today, I think is justified criticism to feel that way because when you have 90% of the movie being drama and like 10% being the monster shit, we're going to, we're going to need to like these characters that we're spending so much time with. And um, so for me, that's the only reason why it's uh, it's definitely not at the top for me, but it's definitely not at the bottom. And right. uh, if you would have asked me a couple weeks ago, it'd be definitely at the bottom.
1: <laughs> but I think yeah, a lot of my reasons for coming around on it to come from, the growth <laughs> sounds stupid to say this, but the growth that I've had with Godzilla movies, too, with learning more about the different eras, learning about the history, having watched a lot more of them now, the, the stuff that I really like about the 2014 movie is the Godzilla stuff. Like, I think that movie more than any of the other legendary movies, they get the sense of scale. Uh, There's so much stuff with scale where you're seeing bits of Godzilla to where you're like, this is terrifying because he's so big. Like and and the rest of the movies, especially Godzilla versus Kong, that is gone. (laughs) There's there's no and I I love Godzilla versus Kong. Obviously, we're going to talk about it, but there's no sense of like these are giant monsters because it becomes kind of a Street Fighter movie, which is super fun and great. But that sense of like almost Lovecraftian scope where it's oh, like man, this is a massive thing from another planet or, or, or something we don't know we stand no chance that edwards 2014 godzilla movie is so good at that like that cool. the atmosphere in that is, is thick
2: yeah i think but- i think i might agree with that i think the thing is that movie you got to think about time it came out 2014 movies that were coming out at least it's an american production and again america american Studios should not touch Godzilla. I've always been in that opinion. They just cannot relate to what Toho has in relationship with Godzilla just based on originality of it. But at the same time, I think 2014, it falls under the scope of a big budget movie from a big studio and what was selling out at that time. Disaster movies, military movies, like bat- Jurassic Battle. Jurassic World. Y- yeah, Jurassic <laughs> World, Battle Los Angeles. You know, it, it like these big... Like military movies, they get the I hard forgot on. Forgot about
0: that movie. Yeah, Holy you get shit. the hard
2: on military boy <laughs> movies with American Sniper and stuff like that. You know, like these things were like what brought audiences to the theaters, which to me is very. You know, I want to spit it out as quick as I can, but, and I feel like Gareth Edwards was under pressure with that, but I do think he got some. I think he got some things right, like uh, David said, he gets the scope right in like the, the the mysteriousness of Godzilla, because what this movie does, and I think King of the Monsters, which we'll talk about eventually kind of builds off of is the the aurora of titans in a real world you know and i kind of say that a lot of times with like dc and like the snyder movies is it's like these crazy concept things applied to the real world in like how we'd react to them this movie does that pretty well but the problem is when you have a movie called godzilla and fans and i'll be honest like i i've seen all of the godzilla movies and i love them and i the good and the bad but the thing is you know there is an expectation of wanting to see the monster you know you want to see the big g and he kind of has that good mystery mysteriousness coming on and that strong beginning like everything with brian cranston is great but man, yeah, it just becomes a it mo- becomes a military movie. It doesn't even feel like a human drama element because Godzilla movies with the human element, they're genre, subgenre movies. You get espionage thrillers. You get sci like stupid sci fi ness. You you get the cheesy sixties sci fi. You get um, uh, biohazardness in the nineties movies. Um, but. You know, in this movie, it's just—it's just a military grade movie, it, it, and that's, I think, a big issue with it. And plus, I think military. Plus, you get to see, oh, get to see
0: two mutos, fuck.
2: Yeah, it's, it's horny true. as fuck for sure, yeah. but
0: because that's I, what they're doing with their mouths, right? Yeah, because that is that actually what it is. Like, I, I want don't to know because they're not—they're not, they're not <laughs> just kissing. Like, I'm pretty sure that's like, that's what I was asking boozy on a previous episode. I'm like, how do alligators fuck?
2: I <laughs> like- I've never, I've, I'm not well versed in the act of sex, so I do not know <laughs> yeah. how it works. I don't know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, well, we'll have to phone a friend for that answer. <laughs>
2: but- I, I watch Godzilla because I'm a virgin, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's what the internet thinks of me. The, la- the last thing
0: I'll say about, the, just to close this one off and move on to the next one, is uh, I I want to take back, like, obviously, it is an absurd statement to say that you like 98 Godzilla more than 2014, and I've been saying that ever since I saw it. Uh, <laughs> but at now watching them both so close together, 2014 is definitely a better movie, <laughs>
2: obviously. I gotta give 98 credit, because it was the first Blockbuster movie to come out. Like, blockbusters didn't start until 98, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it was Emmerich's Godzilla. Yeah, <laughs> was wasn't Jaws. Yeah, he he capped it a... off
2: with Ten Thousand BC.
0: Oh my god! Oh my gosh! Chris nominated Ten Thousand BC on our fantasy Oscars. Like, you, you got to listen to those episodes, David, because he is just an insane person,
1: dude. Um, I Ten Thousand BC. I'll always associate. I have a, such a specific memory. I worked uh, for two years yeah. after high school. I worked at a VA hospital uh, oh. during the summers. And I worked in the recreation department. So we would do like anything to do with like events in the hospital for the veterans. And so we did like, we planned a couple different movie nights and they basically would just get whatever free movies they could in the, get in there. So we watched Jumper one night uh, and then uh, 10,000 BC. 10,000 BC. So it's it's me and a couple of the people that work there and then a bunch of these, you know, veterans that uh, live there at the hospital. And we watched a little movie in silence, you know, people aren't heckling it or anything. The movie ends, the credits start, and the the volume goes down. And this guy in the back goes, "Well, that movie fucking sucked. Like, that was the, like, that was it. Everybody just went back to their rooms."
0: I think that's what I everyone in the, the world
1: thought, except for Chris. Yeah, like it was that just is synonymous with that movie for me. Now is that old dude at the VA?
0: Awesome. All right, well, uh, moving on, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. So this was this was after Kong, correct? No, I think, yes.
2: Yeah. I
1: was going to say, are you skipping Kong on purpose?
2: No.
0: It, oh, is okay. Kong before this?
2: Kong yeah. is 2017.
0: Yes. Right, yeah. right. Okay. All right, let's talk about Kong Skull Island. Uh, so this one was directed by Jor- Jordan Voigt Roberts. Uh, what did you guys think of Kong Skull Island? Let's start with Chris.
2: Um, at first, when I saw it, I was not crazy about it, but that's because I'm such a Peter Jackson 05 purist. <laughs> And then I rewatched it again, and it, it, I mean, I was stupid. I was in college, and I was on. I was on. You know, I was watching. You know, Those are my BC. worst behavior. Worst. Motherfucker never up. To quote, I drink, can't figure you know. out
1: the jokes with you yet. Are, are you actually <laughs> a purist on Peter Jackson's Kong or no? Oh, I love. Yes. O5. Oh, okay. I, I, loved it when it came out too, but I don't know. I mean, you're also talking about loving Snyder and I still don't know if that's a joke or not. So I'm just making sure he's 100% serious. I, okay.
2: <laughs> but I, I rewatched Kong multiple times. I've seen it three times now. And, uh, it, it, I really, really, really love that movie and it's a really great cast. It's a beautiful looking movie. The director is a Kojima fan. So that's a list in my books too. And, um, uh, It it, it rivals maybe 05 Kong because it's such a different story, you know, and I like this different take of Kong. I know that when this movie was coming out that they uh, they were planning on making a standalone Godzilla movie. And then they decided to make it part of the Monsterverse because they went to Universal or Warner Brothers and and, and wanted to do this thing. And I I, I am so glad they did because look what we got now.
1: Yeah. What about you, David?
2: I love it. I, I loved it when it came out.
1: I honestly haven't really changed my opinion on it. Maybe maybe you'd like it a slightly bit more than I did the first time, but m- minimally. I, I really liked it a lot the first time I saw it. I thought it was a ton of fun. Yeah, it's great. I, on my two lists and on the fun list, it's at the top for me. That's the most fun of the movies. There's always something interesting happening in the frame. Vote Roberts has tons of references in it, to, like you mentioned, to video games and anime and there's all kinds of stuff in there. I think it looks great. It's got an awesome color palette. Uh, It's funny. Uh, Although I was talking to the, the eerie guys there, there's one thing and this was making the rounds on Twitter this week where somebody was like, shout out to Kong for having the most hilarious death scene of all time. that part where he goes, um, the dude goes with the grenades to buy (laughs) them time. And then it whips him against the rock. I get why that part's funny. I've never thought it was that hilarious. (laughs) Like the first time I saw it, I was like, all right, I get the joke. But apparently it's like grown to be like one of the funniest death scenes ever. Uh, But I think I think tonally it's a it's a pretty it's got a good balance. Like it's a surprisingly gruesome movie for PG-13. Like I've been watching a lot of these movies with my kid who's four and introducing him to Godzilla. And he's got Godzilla toys and stuff. And he's all into it. We were all pumped for Godzilla versus Kong and i couldn't remember with skull island if i could let him watch it and i rewatched it with amanda and almost immediately was like he can't watch this movie it'll give him <laughs> nightmares like <laughs> yeah. people are getting ripped apart and like it's of all of the legendary movies it's definitely the most uh gory but yeah it's a ton of fun i think it's really great pulpy adventure movie
0: yeah Awesome. Well, yeah, I uh, I love this movie. I've made that no secret on the show before. I think, yeah, obviously like you guys have already mentioned a bunch of the stuff that I love about it. The visual design, the direction from Vote Roberts, uh, the violence, the comic timing, and the monster action is exquisite in that motherfucker. Uh, I also think that out of all of the movies, Tom Hiddleston is the best hero Out of uh, the whole legendary verse, he's also the one I find the least irritating. I think Brie Larson turns in maybe her worst performance in her entire career (laughs) in Skull Island, but that's not her fault. I think it's just she wasn't given a lot to work with. Like, she's a tremendous actor. And it also just shows that she's like almost always really, really good in what she's doing. But she just her character was super underdeveloped in that movie. And that's the only negative I can say about it.
1: I think the characters in that movie are just as thin as any of the other movies, but well, they're, they're, they're all archetypes and they're the visual style of the movie. I think makes you forget that they're almost nothing characters really. The only one that they kind of develop is, uh, what's his name from John C. Riley is the yeah, only yeah. one that has kind of an arc. <laughs>
0: and uh, he's the, he has by far the best comic timing out of any, out of all the movies that have the comedic relief, which I don't oh, think sure. that, so So t- 2014 doesn't even have the comic comic relief. But this one, like, yeah, I think John C. John C. Riley, I just love him to begin with, but also yeah. I'm a huge Steve Brule fan. I don't know if you guys are fans of Steve Brule. Do you guys know about that character? Only tough guys know how to ride the hot rod
1: skateboard.
0: Hi, I'm Dr. Steve Brule.
1: Yeah, well, there's a reference in the movie, right, on his jacket?
0: Yeah, he's wearing, and on his jacket on the back, it says, For your health, which yeah. is like a Steve Brule quote, which is just hilarious. And that's a character <laughs> that John C. Riley plays. So, um, yeah, I found him really funny. I just thought the whole movie, it just moved incredibly quick. And just like, it was nonstop action. But at the same time, I didn't find any of the characters annoying. I actually thought that the comic, the comedy worked really well. That being said, it also could be because it was geared to a little bit of an older audience. Like you were talking about how you can show your son King of the Monsters, but you might not want to show him Kong Skull Island just yet. Right. Um, and I think it's just because th- so that it worked for me a lot better than the other ones. Um, but it's just a big, crazy action packed monster movie with a ton of style. And I don't know what else you could want from a movie like this, but, uh, it's the only movie out of all the MonsterVerse that I actually think is funny. I gotta give it props for that. But yeah, I <laughs> love, it. and I wasn't expecting to uh, when I went and saw it. So it was a pleasant surprise. And every this has become one of those movies that I toss on all the time just because you can just have it on in the background, and it's just so delicious to look at. Like I just love the yeah. the visual style of that movie. And, uh, I hard disagree on the characters being
1: thin in that one, <laughs> just, I, no, I, I, don't, I don't think, I think you may have misunderstood what I'm saying there. The, the probably movie, I'm dumb, <laughs> the movie, <laughs> the movie overcomes what's on paper with a lot of other things so that it doesn't, they don't feel as thin as they are, yeah. but when you actually break them all down, she's a photographer. That's her entire character. Oh yeah. He's an yeah. adventure. He's, he's a, uh, what's his name? Nathan Drake. Nathan that's Drake. His <laughs> Like they're, they're all just archetypes. There's nothing to them, but the movie is so good in every other way around them that you don't think about it. Whereas some of the other movies, because maybe they're paced poorly or other aspects aren't working on screen. There's not enough for you. Your mind starts to really kind of go to those places. This is a bigger problem that I have. I think right now with everybody complaining about human characters in these movies in general, because in, King of the Monsters, before that came out, everybody was like, there's too much people in these movies. There's not enough monsters. So they did all monsters. And then everybody was like, the people in these movies suck. And then in this <laughs> movie now, it's been the same thing, where it's like, well, the monsters are great, but how about those people that are boring? And it's become a thing <laughs> for me where, I mentioned this on Eerie last week, it's kind of like, and I'm happy to have the conversation here with you guys. I don't want to sound like I'm opting out already. But I said on Eerie last week, like, I'm just not even interested in in the discussion of like how these things should the quality being measured by the people in these movies like it's similar to when people are like well a horror movie is only good if it's scary and it's like dude that's so oh, subjective exactly. like it's an yeah. impossible some of my favorite horror movies aren't scary to me and you know sometimes it lines up sometimes it doesn't it's what to me it's the measure is what they're doing and if they're doing that well um and yeah i don't think it, with any of these movies i wouldn't argue you know, well, they, they really nailed the characters. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, and that's no, and the, see, and that's where I don't want to come off as I feel like I'm on the same page as both of you guys here because I, yes, we're complaining about the human characters and that's what everybody in the world is doing. But at the end of the day, if you're given a monster movie, we're going to get to Godzilla versus Kong. But I think that that's a whole different conversation. The fact that people are bitching about the human characters in Godzilla versus Kong is uh, like, that's kind of gotten to the point where no one's going to be fully happy. Like where you just can't please everyone, you know, like, and I, I don't know. I don't know what more people I don't wanted. Know that
1: they've, and, and Chris, maybe you have a take on this. Cause you've seen more of them than sounds like either Mitch or, or I have, but just in general, um, the, I, I, I don't know my, probably my favorite Godzilla movie, is Shin Godzilla, even that one, I wouldn't say, Has like amazingly fleshed out characters in it. I think it's it's got good enough for what they're doing characters, but I don't know that there's a Godzilla movie that people really pop in because they're excited about these like you know deep engrossing character arcs. I think Matthew Broderick, except for (laughs) Patrick Tatopoulos, of course. Yes,
2: (laughs) I think I think the biggest difference is because that they're different movies that are uh, they're, they're 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 centered around different types of things. So like Godzilla movies. They're always going to be set centered around Godzilla and the nuclear arms race or the nuclear bombing. And it's always going to be about it. Godzilla is a it, it's like a catastrophe. It's in itself. And the humans characters in all these Godzilla movies are basically reactionaries to this event. And then it's up to whoever, whichever that movie is the type of direction Godzilla plays in those roles. He's basically the omnipotent being in this movie or in this world. Whereas in these Kong movies ever since 33, which the only Kong movie I haven't seen is the, uh, the 76 version, which I plan to change soon. Other than that with King Kong or Kong, excuse me, because he's never actually referred to as King in these legendary movies uh, is that, it's all about the people. It's a story. It's a it's a people. Dri- it's a character driven movies on all of them. It's all about you know who the Driscoll character is, you know who Carl Denham is, and you know who Ann uh, Darrow is in these movies because it's about the adventure of these characters coming to this beast's world. And that's the difference between Godzilla and Kong when you watch these movies. Kong, I think, caters to a more broad audience because sure. one, it's an American production. Two, it's centered around people and, like, movie magic and, like, going to exotic worlds. This movie takes place – it's a prequel movie. It takes place during the Vietnam War, you know? That's why you have such and, a killer And Kong song
1: himself there. has a lot of personality too, way more that's, than, than Godzilla. That's something right. – yeah, in and God- I, I'm
0: so happy you brought that up because I want to talk about that once we get to the Godzilla vs. Kong discussion.
2: And Anything Godzilla is always about scientists being caught by surprise – by what this anomaly is in the world we live in. And it's about a man versus nature and Godzilla being the, the judgment of that Kong never does that. It's always people invading Kong. And then we yeah. get a great adventure story because Kong and skull Island has always been such a fascinating thing. And even in the Toho King Kong movies uh, where King Kong escapes, it's still people going to the Island where Kong is at and Kong saving them. Kong has always been this being that works with people versus Godzilla, kind of ruling people. Yeah. That makes and I sense. think the best it, Godzilla
1: I, movies to at least the ones I've seen, like like to your point, the theme and the metaphor is strong. And then it's kind of revolving around that. Obviously, the original one being very much a direct thing with with World War II, and then Shin Godzilla, very much the the nuclear meltdown stuff that happened like it's mm-hmm. uh, that movie is very polarizing, but it really worked for me. I, I, oh, I, I that love movie that movie. Great. Yeah. I think all Shin three Godzilla's of us love a, it.
2: It's a modern classic. It's a modern masterpiece, and it's um, definitely do top
0: five to- for me in terms of well, top three for Godzilla movies for me. Yeah, but I haven't essential. seen all of them. Cool. Well, let's keep it moving, boys. Uh, Last, yeah, Kong Skull Island, awesome. <laughs> uh, God, let's let's go through King of the Monsters a little bit quicker, just so we can get to Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. David, let's hear it.
1: I like it. I think it's fun. Uh, I don't think it's a great movie. Um, I liked it more when I saw it the first time. And I think I was just kind of so swept up in the spectacle. I saw it in an Alamo draft house and it was just super loud and, and the experience was awesome. Um, and then I rewatched it uh, for the second time for the first time I rewatched. it this was only the second time I'd seen it again, week or two ago, two or three weeks ago and still like it for what it is. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> I said this on eerie. I, I love Doherty, man. I love trick or treat. Uh, I like Krampus. I know that's not one that people like as much, which I get. It's not as good as Trick or Treat. Uh, he's a great, great yeah, I think he's a great filmmaker. He's a better filmmaker than King of the Monsters. There's stuff in that movie where I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, it's it's never to the point where I'm like, this movie sucks, or it's awful, or you know, I have a bad time necessarily. But there's there are a lot of decisions and moments in it where I'm just kind of like, I don't really get what you were going for here. Um, but but it's fun, there's a lot of kaiju action i love mothra mothra is one of my favorite uh kaiju so i mean having her in it to me was super exciting uh i love the dynamics at play with all the different ones popping up and uh, i think talking about character scenes one of my favorite character scenes of all of these movies maybe my favorite character scene in terms of the human characters is uh Zawas death scene in king of the monsters where he gets out of the 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 like sub that they're in and is in the suit and takes his helmet off and goes up and sees Godzilla and that like Atlantis underground place. And uh, to your point, Chris, like there's a lot of stuff there with the original metaphor of the nuclear bomb and Japan's relationship to Godzilla. And um I that's probably my favorite human scene in all of the movies. I think it's a great scene. Um, the rest of it is just like a dopey, you know, dopey fight movie. <laughs> like it's it's uh it's fun. Um, I I like showing Daniel scenes from it. He got excited to see Mothra and I was like Mothra's Godzilla's friend. And like there, you know, there's like, it's a very kind of simplistic movie in that way, um, which is fun in the same way that the other movies are like the, the, you know, original movies. Uh, But it's fine. You know, it's got, it's got its flaws for sure. Chris.
2: Uh, I saw this movie three times in theaters, and I, I really, really liked the movie. I saw it twice in IMAX, once in a regular showing, and um, um, it, it up to the point, you know, to there it was like my favorite Godzilla movie because at that point I hadn't watched every single Godzilla movie. I love the the approach it takes this time around versus twenty fourteen Godzilla, where it's about these beings being like. Gods in this world that we live in, and it and it and it makes, matches that perfectly. When you see Ghidorah on the on the mountaintop in Mexico, you see Rodan's scale uh, charging at this uh, Mexico City, and just Godzilla flexing, standing in the ocean way and looking at everyone. Um, this movie is all about. If you watch the movie, it's all about people. It's it's from the person's perspective, Kyle Chandler's perspective of looking at these monsters from the bottom up because it's like we're looking up to them. It's King of the Monsters. He he. These are titans. The original story of these kaiju movies our monsters are not like the original movies they're not like radioactive beings they're not like you know atomic bomb droppings that's our fault it's all about these beings existed in a world before us and we're just piecing it together now i do think it's a little silly with the eco terrorist turn in this movie but in a movie like like that i could i could understand something like that happening but to make that the central focus point for a a villain antagonist doesn't work I think Ghidorah is great in this movie. This is the best Ghidorah movie ever because I'm not a big fan of Ghidorah in like a lot of these Toho films, unfortunately. But uh, I think this movie does it the best. It also has one of the meanest, most unforgivable deaths Deaths in um, Sally Hawkins. She was such a big part of 2014 and she's in this movie. She gets stomped and she dies. And she was Ken Watanabe's right-hand woman. It was like, what? Like how do you kill someone like that so quickly?
0: Paddington's mom. <laughs> yeah, it's Paddington's mom. <laughs> It's because she jacked her shit in the bathtub at the beginning of Shape of Water.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> I was going to say she she had sex with the, the fish monster. It is like one of those movies where like, I get if you don't like it, but it's like I'm not going to apologize for loving this movie because it, it, it it's, a li- it's a lot longer than it should be. 100%. It is way too long. But they have such amazing moments. And I think Millie Bobby Brown gives a great performance in it. But when Godzilla charges at Ghidorah and you get that wide shot in the dark of the city and they charge at each other – It is just bliss as a kaiju fan.
0: That's a that's a gorgeous scene. Yeah, I think for me overall, there's like some really cool monster spectacles, just like you guys said. Uh, I specifically really like Rodan in that movie. Like, I thought the Rodan scenes were my favorite, and I don't know if it's just because like I'm into like flight sequences, which we get a lot of in Godzilla versus Kong. Um, But Rodan, there's just so many. Like, I don't even know where it would stem back from. Maybe my love for Top Gun when I was a kid.
1: <laughs> like, I, I, just, I love that, like, I, that part of the duty e- ejects out of his cockpit straight yeah. into Rodan's mouth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, the, well, that, maybe those it's
0: are,
2: sorry. I was gonna say maybe because Rodan is like, um, isn't he the eagle in the Slayer logo? Like in the background of mm-hmm. it, isn't that Rodan? Yeah. So maybe that's why because he's metal as fuck. He is metal
0: as fuck, yeah. But I think yeah, Rodan, <laughs> Godira and Mothra like Mothra looks amazing in that movie, and like it's just like it's it's visual candy. It's very good. It's a very good looking movie for the most part. Uh, but like David said before, like I'm a huge Doherty fan as well. But I do feel like, especially on this most recent rewatch uh, leading up to Godzilla vs. Kong, I couldn't help but feel like some. Schumacher vibes from like the Batman movies in the 90s. No. Yeah, man, there's a little bit of that in there for me. And I think it's almost all from me, just like I can't stand Vera Formiga anymore. And she plays the same thing in everything. I like it's Vera just, I normally <laughs> really like her, but the thing is, like, it's she starts doing the same thing over and over. And like, I don't know. I felt like I all think of her decisions in this movie were fucking so dumb. I uh, think
1: but, everyone in that movie is operating at like 60 percent of what they're usually capable of yep, like it yep. it they're they're given so i love kyle chandler um I, I i don't know if i love millie bobby brown i think she's fine in stranger things but in both of these godzilla movies I, i'm not super into her but the overall ken Watanabe is probably the only one where i'm like yeah. you still figured out maybe it's just because you're at the caliber that you're at uh, but everybody else at these movies it's just so much running around and yelling <laughs> like exactly like... <laughs> in
0: King of the monsters it gives you everything that I was asking for and more and it's the more that I'm like hey like there's just may- no maybe no way to make me happy in this universe there's maybe <laughs> no way that I'm going to get on board uh because I found like a lot of like to the point where like the special effect sequences like the monster fights were cool but so much dumb shit had happened where i just felt like so numb watching it and uh <laughs> it's it's my least favorite out of all of them i'll just say that right out of the way uh
1: <laughs> hot but there take, are th- geez. no there, there's not some that good- hot take it's my least favorite too <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez. Yeah. but i don't but i like it i, I still like it i, I don't like, think it's a bad movie. yeah i I'm, i like all <laughs> these movies
0: yeah yeah you're nicer than i am on it like i i don't i think i just need to say i don't like it like all right boys let's get on to godzilla versus kong Godzilla vs. Kong, directed by Adam Wingard, written by Michael Doherty. And uh, who is because it? it was the same writer as
1: well, he has God- a, he has a story credit. It's it's him, Terry Ro- Rossio and Zach Shields, I think, is the guy he did King of the Monsters with. They have a story credit. Yes. And then it's two other dudes who did the script. Um, yeah, Mac- Max Borenstein and Eric yeah. Pearson. Um, and Max Borenstein, I'm pretty sure, helped with all of the previous movies. I think he's he's at least on two or three of the other ones
0: and Eric Pearson was a writer on Thor Ragnarok. So like,
1: yeah. And he wrote black widow and yeah, he's a Marvel guy. Hell yeah.
0: Cool. Uh, let's, uh, let's go around. Let's just get our thoughts out. We've been waiting for this for a long time. I know all three of us have been stoked for this movie. Like that, you know, for me just quickly, I obviously wasn't the biggest fan of the other Godzilla movies. So it seems weird that I'm still so excited for Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, it's a multi multitude of reasons. It's, uh, getting to see both of those characters on screen, both characters that I love and the potential of having Adam Wingard directing it, a guy who I've been kind of known to be a little bit of a stand for. I even like Death Note and I think I'm the only person on the in in the world who liked that movie.
1: <laughs> and by like it, I mean, it didn't make me mad, but Wait, I like Adam Death Wingard.
0: I, people hate yeah. Death
2: Note?
1: People the who movie? have read the manga or seen the anime hate Death Note, yeah. <laughs>
2: <And> <laughs> I'm I too, a I'm part, too but... apologist, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I'm too forgiving. I,
1: yeah, I, uh, I,
0: I even I watched the anime and I read a couple of the mangas. But anyways, we're we're here to talk about Godzilla vs <laughs> Kong. Um, yeah, so I was still so excited. It's kind of like I didn't really care for Halloween 2018, and I still can't wait for Halloween Kills. <laughs> uh, I hope this happens because I fucking loved Godzilla vs Kong. What did you guys think?
1: Well, I want to hear what Chris. No, I want you to go first, Chris.
2: Oh, I, was gonna I say, have this no is idea Richard. what to expect now. Oh, I was gonna say this is Adam Wingard's best movie since Death Note, which makes me so happy, <laughs> um, wasn't that
0: his last movie <laughs> <was>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Chris um, what did okay, you so Adam
0: you can talk about Adam Wingard a little bit because I know you recently had your guest cherry popped
2: I did the guest was great i, I and I loved your oh, next God, and death said note that. um. <laughs> But uh, I I think he was great for this kind of type of movie. You want like a big mash monster movie. I was personally excited for it because I come from the realm of I do not like 1962's King Kong vs. Godzilla. I think it's very offensive. I think it's aged poorly. And uh, I, I just don't care for the movie at all. And people who say it's one of the best Godzilla movies, and when they say Godzilla, I'm like... Alright, well, you don't like Godzilla then. Um, I think this movie was instantly gonna be better than that movie no matter what. But this movie gave me so much more. It's the best looking Godzilla movie, in my opinion, or Godzilla King Kong legendary movie, whatever. It is so fun. The hype for it was insane. And I think so many people are like, you know, Mitch, you were saying you were excited for it, even though these some of these movies had been a little lackluster. I think it's because of the climate we're in where we are as a society we were so thirsty for a blockbuster movie. This was a movie that was supposed to come out before the summer, uh, like what, two years ago. And, uh, and then it came out in March. Fucking March, is, March 2021, in my eyes, is one of the best years of film ever. You get the Snyder Cut and you get Kong. Bruh. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, this movie did disappoint. But then again, a movie that's hyped this much and brought the internet community together, um, even people who were not Godzilla or King Kong fans um, or one or the other fans, it brought them together. It to, wanted them to pique their curiosity more and, and watch some of these older movies. And I think... Regardless of what you think of this movie, it delivered on what Wingard had promised, which was there would be a winner in this movie. You would see them all the time throughout this movie. And it gets that staple of Wingard's signature neon colors. Um, I, this movie was great. I loved it.
0: Five stars from you on Letterboxd.
2: Five stars for me is my um, biased opinion on movies. <laughs> you gave this movie <laughs> five rep- stars on Letterboxd? Yeah. For real? <laughs> but that's David, disc- hit up my Letterboxd, fam. Like, check I, out what the I, boys I posted on Letterboxd. Yeah, I do. <laughs>
0: Yeah, because oh, to, to quote Chris, I do think you said, like, it's the blockbuster to end all blockbusters. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, and here's look. here's the thing about this movie, though. Um, I just think I think it just kind of gives everything, whether you're a fan of these movies or not, it gives a little bit of something for everyone to put in, you know, and it just so happens to also look like such it looks so great as a movie. I saw it. I it's funny this movie dropped on a Wednesday which was funny to me I stayed up till like three or four in the morning on a on Tuesday so technically Wednesday and I saw it as soon as it dropped on HBO Max I started watching the first 30 minutes and then fell asleep because it was like four in the morning and then I fell asleep called off work till come in later in the day and then watched the whole movie <laughs> and then I saw an IMAX um later I risked my life and watched an IMAX and it was glorious hell
0: yeah brother how good Oh, sorry Kate David
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> your thoughts uh, no, I, yeah, I liked it a lot. I uh, my my thoughts really aren't that complex on it, but I think it's because it is the least complex movie of all of of, of all of them, just in terms of uh, on, on every level. I, I think yeah. it's insanely enjoyable. I think it's like a, a, a very broad crowd pleasing movie. I there's a there's a YouTube channel I like called Up from the Depths and this yes. dude is just all you like them okay cool so he's all in on kaiju stuff and I've been enjoying his videos and he did like a 15 minute just like audio thing that I'm assuming he recorded right after he watched it which was just like his initial thoughts uh, and he said something in there where I was like oh I hadn't thought about it that way and he's totally right where he was basically like this is a movie for kids like this is a kids movie <laughs> uh, but it it works it works for adults too because it taps into the stuff that you like as a kid um and i mean i i experienced that in a very literal way with watching it with my kid like i mentioned we've been excited about this movie and yeah it came out on on what a wednesday and he has he has preschool three days a week one of them being wednesday so he woke up at seven and you know woke me up and was like you know godzilla versus kong so we ran downstairs and watched (laughs) you know like 40 minutes of it before watch basically through the first fight on the the carrier ships or whatever and then he had to go to school so i watched ahead (laughs) Kind of for Kong Skull Island reasons where I was like, I don't want to see someone get ripped in half. And then he has nightmares or whatever, Um, but didn't really need to worry because it's it's a it's a very kid friendly, enjoyable, you know, kind of movie. And and everything is telegraphed so well through both Kaiju, especially Kong, obviously. But Godzilla's got a lot of personality, too, uh, in this one to where, you know, he doesn't need to understand or know about the Hollow Earth stuff or about Apex or any of the other stuff that they throw in there. I mean, it's 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 a it's a pro wrestling match in in the best way, like it is as basic as it gets. And I had a feeling, you know, and they had teased this in the trailers um, that there was going to be a, you know, they fight each other. Then they team up to fight something else scenario going down. And then they had obviously teased Mechagodzilla. So I, you know, was already planning that seed and explaining to Daniel, hey, there's a robot Godzilla and telling him about and showing him some of the older clips and stuff. So he was pumped when, you know, Godzilla shows up and then they team up and fight him and everything. Um, so there was, you know, I was able to experience it watching with him. But then for me uh, as an adult, the stuff that I loved about this one is I mentioned before this, this movie has like zero sense of scale, but I kind of love it for the reasons that he abandons all of that. Like they move and, and hit buildings and each other at a speed that I'm not like a, a, Neil deGrasse Tyson stickler sciencey guy, or I'm like, well, this wouldn't be physically <laughs> like, this is not a physics. Why thing. are
0: you looking for plot holes, David?
1: I'm not looking for plot holes. I, <laughs> I love that. I love that he ignores, like, what is it called? Um, is it like the parallax effect where like when something's that big, it looks like it's moving slowly, uh, because the, of, of science, I don't know. Uh, so there's, there's that thing, which is why these are like lumbering movies. A lot of times in this movie, they're like hitting, 10 hit combos on each other. And like, (laughs) they're just like, they're moving so fast and smashing through buildings and stuff. And it's, it, it is weird when you notice how off it feels because they shouldn't be moving that fast. But at the same time, it's one of those things where it's like, I've never seen that before in a kaiju movie. And I've never seen that like visceral speed that it's, super appealing. Like the, the first time I watched it, I was like my, the entire time I was like, Oh my gosh, that's crazy. And like, uh, Wingard does those, uh, those like Creed boxing shots where like the camera is like, uh, it's almost like the right <laughs> one yeah. for a dream harness shots where it's yeah. like on their face or whatever. And it's like moving next to them and stuff. Like it has an energy and a kineticism, if that's a word to the fights that is so different than all the other movies and so much fun that, um, it doesn't matter. That doesn't really make sense. It's, it's just, it's so unique, I guess is yeah. the word I'm looking for in that way. And it's a super satisfying fight. Um, beyond that, I really liked all, a lot, a lot of the concepts in it. Again, characters are, you know, I don't even necessarily think about that. Uh, but I love the hollow earth stuff like that was seeds that were planted in Kong skull Island. Um, and they paid off here. We get to see all that stuff, which I thought was really cool and looked great. Um and Lance Reddick is in it for 35 seconds, which was very strange. <laughs> He's literally Ooh. in it for like 20 seconds. It says a line, and then you never see him again. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I, I I thought it was really cool. Yeah.
0: Okay, so it sounds like you guys, like anyone listening today, if you were a Godzilla versus Kong naysayer or didn't enjoy it you're not going to be happy you stuck around this long because boy, I love this movie. (laughs) And uh, I love it in the sense that I did give it a three and a half. Uh, I know David, you did as well. Um, But that's because like this movie was never going to be higher than that for me. Like, like just, and it shouldn't be, it should be, this is exactly what I have always wanted from this universe. Granted, if you go back to 2013, you could, and if you were to talk to me then, I'd be like, no, give me a dark, gritty Godzilla. Like, I want the Dark Knight, but Godzilla, Like, that's what I want. Like, And that's why I love Joker so much. Um, but, no, man, I, I thought this movie was just a ton of fun. And uh, I obviously, I went into this thing being in the minority, being like, First of all, I would say, yeah, I'm rooting for Kong because I like King. Like, I love Godzilla, but like the Kong Skull Island, the movie was just so much better. And I love that look of Kong. I love that character of Kong, like what Jordan Vote Roberts created. I just love his design. I love everything about him. And like you had said before, David, I believe if, that he's sympathetic. Like you actually you can you can latch on to him. So much so that, like, I, I saw this movie in the theater with Courtney and she was crying at the end. And I was like, there's no fucking way anybody could cry from this movie. <laughs> this, this is a movie that's for but I love
1: in this movie, which is is cool. So he he's directly communicating, not speaking, but, you know, with, vocally, but he's he's signing and you get subtitles for him talking with the little girl. So there's a, even another layer of his humanity yeah. that they add to it. This
0: movie is Kong's movie, rightfully so. I do feel like it is more of a Kong movie than a Godzilla movie, but at the same time that like we're splitting hairs by screen time because you get tons of both of them. But like Kong offers the heart and like the personality that the audience can latch on to. Um, unless, of course, you're one of those dummies who whines about how much better
1: Godzilla is than Kong.
0: Bruh. <laughs> Guess what, bozos? Uh, Guess well, what, see, that's... bozos? This movie's <laughs> called Godzilla versus Kong, so we're going to have both of them.
1: Well, and that's the thing uh... that I think is great about it is that if if you are somebody who loves Godzilla more than Kong, it definitely satisfies on that level too. like Wingard in interviews has referred to Godzilla in this movie as a heel using a, a pro wrestling okay. term, which I didn't even think about when I made the pro wrestling reference earlier. But he's very much he's very much a heel like he's he's still like insanely likable. Uh, and he's not really bad, but he's, he's the antagonist kind of. And so the way that the movie plays out and the way that the fight scenes play out and the results of those fights and the way it's all structured, I feel like no matter which side of it you land on, it's still very satisfying. Like everybody gets their moments in the movie. Yeah, I
0: totally agree. But the thing is like, for me, if you put together Godzilla 2014 and King of the Monsters, you put those together And you wouldn't even get half as good of a movie as Kong Skull Island. Like, that's where I'm at. Like, just that's how much I love that movie. But I still like, man, the Godzilla scenes like Godzilla has. I'm with Chris and saying that he's never looked better. Also, I'm happy that you saw it in the IMAX. I'm sorry to hear that you don't care about human life, Chris. but, but, um, (laughs) But like, how good? How good did this look in the theater? Like, I could not I can't think of a movie better to return to the theater from for myself like i'm obviously it's it's going to be a while till i go again but they, that that was one of the best theatrical experiences i've had because i felt like a child watching this movie in the sense where like the human stuff like i'm like whatever man like people bitching about the human stuff in this movie i'm like get out of here that's like Ten percent of the movie, like there's like virtually none of that in this movie. And even when they are happening, Wingard and like the people who wrote it, they make it so it's like, hey, this character's here for this reason. This character's here for this reason, this reason, and that's it. They're all archetypes. They're all just terrible, like cliched, like that. What's her name? The her name Eliza Gomez. Um
1: uh, from name? Baby Driver.
0: Yeah, yeah, that terrible movie, Baby Driver. Gonzalez, um, <laughs> I <like> Baby Driver. <laughs> no, Chris I love loves it so. I always talk about oh. how much Baby Driver sucks. Um, Mitch but loves no, like, me
2: so much, but he hates all my opinions. I don't get it. I feel so <laughs> gaslighted by. I him. feel like
0: you're. I'm your older. Like you're my little brother that I never had. But <laughs> I, I feel like, just, like right
2: now for like my first like official terror table, episode, I feel like Arthur Fleck being invited <laughs> to the Fred Magician, oh or the gosh. Arthur. Murray. Or the furry <laughs> show. I'm just like, this is exactly how I envisioned it. And yeah. then he's bringing me on here to make fun of my love for Godzilla movies. You're just like the rest of them.
0: Please tell me you're going to shoot me in the face at the end of this. <laughs> please, please tell me. Oh God, I would love that. But no, yeah, like the movie, it opens up with Kong taking a nap. Like I'm all in man. Like <laughs> when the when the movie <laughs> opened up that way and I'm just like, oh yes, baby, give me more. And then like you, you had mentioned the scene where Kong is being transported on the boat And when he eventually breaks out of his shackles like, dude, I I can't remember the last time. I think it was I I was it would have been split when uh, when uh, uh, Bruce Willis comes in at the end where I felt like jumping out of my seat. (laughs) And it was like I felt like jumping out of my seat when Godzilla was approaching. And then like when I saw like they were going to not hold back on how fucking ridiculous and silly it all is. And that's exactly what I wanted from this movie. And I, I think it delivers in spades. I think. Wingard made such a gorgeous looking movie it is of course like this this isn't a movie that you go to for the human characters like and none of these movies are but in Godzilla versus Kong's defense the kaiju shit takes up 90% of the movie so like I, I don't know I feel like the, the whole debate about human human characters doesn't even play a role here. With that being said, if I had any negatives to say about the movie, it would be the human characters, which <laughs> who cares, whatever. But specifically, specifically when Millie Bobby Brown and uh Brian Tyree Henry and the kid from Hunt for the Wilder people, like their their whole plot couldn't give less of a fuck about any of that. Couldn't did not give a shit. But David will get a kick out of this out of anyone just because you've known me for so long and hear heard me talk about the on the podcast and you make fun of me for pointing out plot holes in movies, but like that is a dangerous game if you're ever going to point out plot holes in Godzilla versus Kong. But I laughed out loud when they're in that they're they're like in that sanctuary where Ghidorah's head is, and it's like the 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 chamber where they're controlling Mechagodzilla from. Like you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. It's like, how, how are they here? <laughs> like it's
1: like, it's, what the, kind of it's security the most. Clearance? Yeah, no, they they literally walk into every single plot development, like just from from set to set of what needs to happen next. Like that's the 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 lowest point of the movie for me. And I don't think it's as bad as most people are saying, but is the point where they're like, he's going to kill Kong, pour the alcohol in the computer (laughs) so he gets a break for a second. Like it's it's hard to look at it and not be like. They just didn't really know what to do here, did they? Like, and so somebody was like, "Have them pour the alcohol on the computer," and like, it's, yeah. But again, it, it's one of those things where, like, I don't even necessarily. I I can think about that stuff and notice it while I'm watching it because I'm wired to, you know, want to break apart and deconstruct and analyze movies when I'm watching them. But at the same time, man, like tone, and I know you're saying this too, like tonally again, I keep going back to this and I don't mean this in a, in a negative way, but like, it's a kid's movie. <laughs> like it totally that's something is that needs to happen then. And, and I don't mean that in a reductive way. I think it's an awesome movie that all, it, all ages is pe- probably a better, a better way to say it. Um, because it's not a kid's movie in the, in the idea that it's like, you know, talking down or condescending or anything like that. No. Yeah. Um, but it's very much a, like, you know, your standard, when I saw the running time, I was like, man, an hour and 50 some minutes like I there this is going to be bloated. It's an hour and a half. There's (laughs) there's like 20 some minutes of credits like it's it's very much a three act structure, you know, Mm. point to point connect the dots kind of movie. Yes, that's
0: all we need. This movie just went so fast.
2: I was going to say, I took the part where they, they were like, throw the alcohol on the, on the sensor to to, to stop Mechagodzilla. I took that as like, oh, so like, why are we demonizing alcohol? Because obviously alcohol is like a solution to the problem. And I was like, I feel justified in getting drunk on all my podcasts and my YouTubes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, And that is, that is a Chekhov's gun if I've ever seen one in a movie too, because when they're in the restaurant at the beginning and, and he's like, yeah, yeah, it was my dead wife's. I will only drink it in the moment when I think I might die. (laughs) It's it's such a scene where you're like, okay, this is going to come back. Like It is set up so very clearly so you know that it can be a thing later.
2: (laughs) I I love his character. I think he just fits such a meta part. Of of like just like monster movies and pop culture, you know, and having a podcast and like having like uh, when you think about this about world podcasting,
0: I, th- I think it's so annoying when people are bitching about like, oh, like it's the same thing in Halloween with the podcasters and everything. I'm like, man, th- like have you been sleeping under a rock? for the- if, if I can have a fucking podcast, that means that there are <laughs> way bigger podcasts out there. And like they, yeah. this is a real art form now. So we just got to get used to the fact that podcasters are going to be characters now. But how did you feel about him being basically the leader of QAnon?
1: Worst.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to start my own conspiracy um, like podcast after it. Only a conspiracy on film. That um, is I, what
0: Inside the Sequel is.
2: Yeah. I, I at first, it started off as a love child to just have some sort of approval from my parents. And then I realized they didn't listen to it. So I just decided to do whatever <laughs> the hell I wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. When we talk about it being a kid's movie and stuff like that, it, it's like with Mechagodzilla and stuff like that. We, we call that cheesy. But you got to think about like 1974 with like Mechagodzilla versus Godzilla for the first time. And then you get like terror of Mechagodzilla. Godzilla literally defeats God uh, Mechagodzilla with having King Caesar, this this ancient... Um, dog. Being, being, dog being summoned. <laughs> and then Godzilla develops in like a weird training session, the ability to be a magnetic field to defeat Mecha Godzilla. Like uh, the at that time, Toho's Godzilla movies were like on the decline. So I mean, maybe that's not the best comparison, uh,
0: but I, still, I, I think they should, these should be kids movies. I'm not meaning that in a condescending way either. Like what you were saying, David, but like I'm so excited about my niece and my nephew to watch this movie. And yeah. I, I I do feel like they can actually watch us. I wouldn't recommend Kong Skull Island to them, um, <laughs> but the thing is, I know that like my nephew Jordan, he's going to lose his shit when he sees this movie. Yeah, in the, the ways that I was joy. seeing them with Jurassic Park, like you yeah. know what, and even ninety eight Godzilla. Like think about that. Like we we talked about that on Inside the Sequel. Like when I was eight years old, movies weren't bad. Like they could not be bad. Like there's no such thing as a bad movie that didn't happen until Batman and Robin. But (laughs) like even 98 Godzilla, I just adored. And I think kids across the world, man, when I was in the bathroom after this movie, I I wasn't even planning on talking about this here, but, um, (laughs) I was I in the bathroom.
1: Off. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> I was way, in the way, I was like personal.
0: just fully torqued. Well, with that being said, I I was fucking rock hard almost this whole movie, <laughs> because like all the monster shit, man, like it was so good. They were just like he was hitting the notes that I wanted every single time. But no, when I was in the bathroom afterwards, there was like a dad helping his son go to the washroom, and I was overhearing them talking, and the kid was just so damn excited. After yeah. getting out of that movie and talking about, like, how he thinks a sequel should be and, like, how the next one, what, what what we should expect. And I was like, man, that made me like the movie even more. Just hearing a kid that excited about Godzilla versus Kong, like, characters that I grew up with that he's now going to grow up with. And, like, oh, you yeah. know, like, it's it's really exciting to see that enthusiasm. Well, I think you see said that in before,
2: was my next guest on my podcast, by the way. So it's like, I'm glad you <laughs> that brought kid? that up.
1: <laughs> yeah. you said before that they should be, they should be kids movies. I, I, I understand and agree with you, but I, I also think that like, that's kind of what I was trying to get up earlier with the character thing, uh, in terms of the human characters is like, for me, I'm much more interested in seeing, okay, what kind of, what kind of Godzilla movie is this? And what are they doing? Like Shin Godzilla, terrifying movie. I would never show my kid. Like that's not a kid's movie. Uh, it's a nasty, gross uh, like terrifying existential Godzilla movie combined with a satire of Japanese politics. Yeah. Like, it's a weird combo, but it's definitely not one. Now Daniel's seen clips from it and immediately is like, can I watch this? I have a Shin Godzilla Mondo poster behind me that he talks about all the time. Like it's it, there's he's interested in it, but I'm not going to show him that movie that's to me the like the character thing is like why that whole thing is irrelevant it's because it's like what kind of movie are they they doing even down to like the netflix anime stuff like they did those godzilla movies the anime movies mm-hmm. and they're coming out with this new anime series which looks like the most like colorful bubblegum pop like it's called singular point i think like godzilla anime kaiju filled thing ever that tonally seems like it would never be a godzilla thing i think it's a i think it's a, a subgenre that you can do so many different kinds of great stories in and and succeed. And obviously a lot of them don't. But I think that, you know, you can hit so many different tones. And even in these legendary monster movies, I think that this one and King of the Monsters are probably the two closest tonally. But the ones before that are doing different things and are doing them at different levels of success. But ultimately, you can't go wrong, to your point, Mitch, with making it a like – a, a very simple, straightforward thing. These are going to be two giant monsters that are going to fight. And, you know, they're going to then team up and fight another, you know, cool monster. Everybody goes home. Like, literally, Godzilla walks back into the ocean and Kong goes back to Skull Island. <laughs> <the Yeah>. <laughs> and that's so satisfying and fun. and And, yeah, just a good time.
2: I think, yeah, and when I said, like, it's like going back to the original Mecha Godzilla vs. Godzilla, okay. it wasn't like a knock on, like, it should be a kids movie, because those Toho movies realize we make money by making these movies cater to younger audiences with enough yeah. with enough, um homages to the older movies for the older audiences. Cause these movies were coming out during festivals to, to, to kind of, cause these were movies, these movies were coming out a year, like years between each other, like one, uh, one after the other. And, uh, what this movie, what I liked about it was because Mechagodzilla is cheesy like that. Um, to, I hate that word, but you know, to say for lack of a better word, it's kind of like an homage to those original ones and gods and King Kong being carried by helicopters into Antarctica is an exact, um, Homage the 62 King Kong vs. Godzilla. And what my point was that Wingard did his homework. And that's why I really like this movie a lot. Is I felt like with these legendary movies, they are such different takes on what the original source materials are. Not to say that they're better or worse, but um it's a nice change of pace in a way because they 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 legendary kind of owns it in a way. I feel like they kind of stutter stepped it a little bit because they couldn't decide, well, do we want to make something serious? Like Fifty four or like eight nine eighty four, you know, like do we want to make Godzilla like this thing? Because in my opinion, the best Godzilla movies are the serious ones. Because Godzilla is a serious character, but in pop culture, he is a guy in a suit, sumo wrestling, and that's just what it is. Because that's it's sells, a lot right? like Freddy Krueger
1: too, where it was like a very serious thing at the beginning, then it became a pop cultural thing, and they shifted Perfect. the tone. And yeah, mm-hmm.
0: but and then also you ca- you got to toss in how it's Godzilla versus Kong on a blockbuster scale for mass audiences. That's it. That that's what I mean by saying that this should be geared. Like I'm a, totally okay with that, how uh, child friendly this movie was. Um, oh yeah. But oh, yeah. but with that being said, like my that my main negatives to say about the movie would be like Brian T- Tyree's character, like being the comedic relief. Like I didn't find a single fucking thing that any of these characters said funny. But it's I'm not also sophisticated a sophisticated
1: movie.
0: <laughs> I'm a thirty year old man. Like right. So it's like why? Like I'm sure that there are so many parents taking their kids to this movie or you know for like friends teenagers going and loving the humor in this movie and i think that that's like obviously that that's not without merit on its own uh it's just personally not for me but Mm -hmm. i can look past that stuff when everything else is like just fun and just enjoyable
2: and that's the thing with legendaries. like I was kind of like really frustrated with early on because I couldn't tell what they were going for when they had this. It felt like they had the license and they didn't know what to do with it. And they're like, put something like everyone knows about Godzilla because it's a Godzilla movie. And then Kong came out and then they did something completely different. They saw it sold and it was doing well and people liked it. And then they went kind of like a step back, but I still like uh king of the monsters they did a step back but king kong versus godzilla felt like they finally owned what they were trying to do they're trying to do something different from the source material of licenses that they have and they ended it on such a high note that's why there's no after credit scene and wingart went out and put out said this is a crosswords crossroads movie like do i want to make more it could end like this because i think it accomplished what legendary did they they wanted a big studio to have these things and finally put something of value out that made money right and I, I think it really did accomplish that. And I think Kong versus Godzilla is like, and I said it in my review on Letterboxd, I think Wingard has shown how to make a versus movie because you get things like Alien versus Predator, S- Superman versus Batman, and previous versus movies and crossover movies. And I think X he puts the versus a Sever. <laughs> he makes he makes an argument like this is how you do these movies you know and of course there's going to be a bias towards kong because kong only got one movie in this and godzilla got a second movie already before it so it makes sense why this is a kong movie because i see people on the internet complaining about this is just a kong movie there's no loafer for godzilla well it's like godzilla won the fight spoilers everyone like of course he would but well, i we'll mean, just complain
0: about it on the internet enough and i'm sure you'll get a five-hour cut of
2: it on hbo <laughs> and, and i'll be leading the charge 100 there
1: <laughs> release the godzilla cut like what are you talking about he's a 90
0: percent of this movie
1: <laughs> yeah no i don't know that i have any other big big thoughts on it i liked the the reference to the uh, King Kong versus Godzilla, where he shoves the axe down his throat, he, like shoved a tree in Godzilla's throat in the original. It was like a prime, branch example, or something.
0: prime example of why like everyone's like, how can God, how can King Kong beat Godzilla? He's literally a monkey. Godzilla monkey breathes stick. fire. And I was like, yeah, but God, first of all, Kong has thumbs. Godzilla yeah. doesn't Kong. There's literally no rule that says Kong can't have a giant fucking axe. <laughs> like, yeah. There's. Well, a thicker. who's
2: thicker. Who's thicker in this movie?
0: They're both <laughs> so thick. That's the problem. They both are so juicy. Man, those shots of like just Godzilla's face, like yeah. when they they kind of just focus on it and you can see all the textures. I'm like, the VFX in this movie is phenomenal. Like it's unbelievable what they're I able think, to. I think. I think achieve
1: all of these legendary movies have really good effects in them. Like yeah. the, 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 I was shocked watching 2014 Godzilla a few weeks ago. And granted, I had just gotten new TV, like a, <laughs> my first like 4k TV or whatever. So it was, yeah, you know, it looked a little bit, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> it, it looked uh, nicer than the TV I have before, but still, <laughs> I was like, man, these effects really hold up. Like, there's nothing in any of the movies I think that looks cheesy or like has that CG effect where you're like, oh boy, that's not going to age properly. Like, yeah. yeah. And that hell? happens
0: a lot in even Marvel movies. Like, there are tons of Marvel movies I've rewatched where I'm like, man, these are
1: not going to age well. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, but. I mean, like, there's a shot in Avengers where Captain America jumps across a thing on a helicarrier that looks like ps2 level (laughs) cutscene, like there's stuff like that all the time in movies and these have all held up really well they they look fantastic and and as much as 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 funny and i don't want to say goofy but like it's funny and unrealistic in a movie about a giant lizard fighting a giant monkey uh as the like crazy super fast aggressive fight is at the end like the level of detail to when they're Blasting through buildings and like the amount of debris that you see flying and like yeah. uh it's 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 crazy. It looks amazing. It's yeah,
0: now that. you need to pair that up with the the fight scene with the Amazonians and Steppenwolf, even in the yeah. Snyder cut. Like <laughs> it's it's top notch. I gotta say, I
1: did not expect to talk about the Snyder cut <laughs> during this podcast. It's
2: crazy. It's crazy how in one month Snyder Snyder closed the book on comic book movies and Wingard closed the book, <laughs> <laughs> book on blockbusters. It's crazy in one month to twenty twenty one. Who would have thought? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but bottom line, I, I think Godzilla versus Kong is an absolute blast. I'm so happy with the result and what we got out of it. And uh, it sounds like both of you guys have seen it twice now. Is that correct? Have you, or did you uh, see it?
1: No, I watched it once. And then today, knowing that we were going to be recording, I went back and watched a few scenes. I watched the final fight scene again. Um, and then uh, I, I feel like I saw the the hel- or the or the aircraft carrier scene. 30 times because I watched that first trailer so many oh, times yeah. and, it, and it hits a lot of the main points of that fight scene anyway, but it
0: totally um, does. I'm, I'm holding off cause next, next weekend I'm going out to or like David, you know, Jambi. I'm going to Jambi's yeah. cab cabin in the middle of the woods where we, we watched the Snyder cut there. Sorry. Once again, <laughs> dropping the S word. Um, <laughs> But no, we we watched a four hour Snyder cut on his. He has like a 104 inch projector and like the most insane sound system. Like, it, uh, thank God we're in the middle of the wilderness because people can hear it for like it is Hell so Snyder. loud. I, I even told him like this, just a quick story. But like, I remember going over to Jesse's house one time. This was like 10 years ago. And I just hear gunshots like crazy. And I'm like, man, so some shit is going on around here. No, Jesse was just watching band of brothers. I heard it. I heard it from a fucking block away. I was like, man, it sounds like AK 47s, like in the streets, but uh, strapped to the
2: six, eh? Hey? Yeah.
0: The six is Ontario, bro. We're, right. we're far from Ontario.
2: Oh yeah. I'm so happy that I got to debut and talk about Kaijus on a Saskatoon network.
0: Absolutely, yes. Saskatchewan Podcast Network. <laughs> yes. Where where are you at, Chris? You're in the U.S.?
2: Yeah, I'm in fucking bumfuck Missouri. Okay.
1: I'm in yeah. Indiana, so...
2: I'm not that. one of the racists, though, so don't worry.
0: You guys have anything else you want to mention before we close up shop here?
1: Uh, no. The, it, it, people <laughs> should watch it. It's a super fun movie. I mean, the... There's just so many and I think too like it's a good entry point as weird as that is that it's the last movie of their contract. (laughs) Like I think it's a good entry point into like if you dug this, there's a lot of really cool kaiju movies and uh, whether it's the same characters or stuff that branches out. And that's one of the things I love too. like if I start getting into something more in depth, one of the first things I'll do is Google like how to get into this thing or guide to whatever. And there's so many great like in-depth breakdown. I was reading one today about the Ultraman series. I used to watch Ultraman yes. as a kid and they're starting to put out these like awesome Blu-ray sets of the original series. And I was like, someone surely has broken these down. And yeah, there's like a 40 page <laughs> someone's dissertation about Ultraman. So there, this exists for the Kaiju Godzilla movies too. And that's what helped me really get into them along with stuff like up from the depths and, um, different YouTube channels and stuff. So yeah, it's, well, it's an exciting time to jump into Kaiju. I think right now.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to have been a fan forever to get into it. Like, uh, and like, just like you said, you can find anything on the internet. If you really want to know more about 10,000 BC, like if you want to be a hardcore 10,000 BC Stan, you can just listen to inside the sequel. That's um, true.
1: Yeah. But I'm no, yeah. I, the,
2: pre- the next sequel that is 9,999
1: BC. <laughs> I do have to I do have one more thing to say, and this is going to sound like a joke, and I, do, I don't mean it as a joke at all. Uh, but if if you want something else that tonally is like a great kids, like fun kaiju monster thing, the I don't know if you watched this back in the day, Mitch. I watched it back in the day, and then I recently just got the DVD of the entire series for like four dollars, and I've been watching it with Daniel. The accompanying cartoon that they made for the 98 Godzilla movie. Did you watch so that?
0: Good. Yeah, so and good, dude. I, and and I recently <laughs> watched them actually because like I we didn't even talk about that on in the Inside the Sequel episode. But I sent Chris a I think I sent you a Snapchat the day before that was just like got a like I'm boning up on my animated series. Like that animated series is so good.
1: Yeah, it's great. It it, yeah. it boils down all the fun stuff about it, and uh, it's it's surprisingly way more respectful of of the franchise <laughs> than the movie was. They and they just kind of retcon the movie in a way yeah uh, it's a new godzilla because the one in the movie dies so they find an egg and it's and he like uh uh what's the thing that the wolf boy does in twilight to the baby imprints <laughs> oh, uh, i've imprints. never seen those movies or read the books i just know that's a thing yeah he like imprints on patrick Topolus. so then it's like a good godzilla that like protects them and stuff and it has a lot of the same kind of fun vibe like every every episode very simple setup he's gonna fight a monster um so i've been enjoying watching that with with and
0: my kid. To quote boozy he humps lots of buildings in the animated series. Yeah, like, that's a Godzilla's humping buildings, even though I mean, it's it's, it, it's an open it song,
1: He curls up. Uh, is it, is you, it a in the, You sexist Yeah. First, <laughs> in the I I'm sure I Chris know had to how edit Godzilla identifies in the animated series, but I yeah I don't remember. Are they always? That's the big plot point in the movie, right? Is that Godzilla's asexual? Oh yeah, yeah but well. Someone is like, work. what does that mean? And he's like, he, they can reproduce without having sex. And Audrey's like, what's the fun in that? I, I remember... <laughs> So I haven't seen that movie in decades and I remember so oh much. Oh my God. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. And that, that that's a testament to how fucking impactful and profound Godzilla 1998 is. Um, I love how Mitch was no,
2: like, we didn't talk about that on inside the sequel. Like, why do you sound so surprised you were disappointed to be on there? That's, that's part of the show. I
0: love being on inside the sequel. Stop putting my <laughs> friend down. I'm talking about you. You're my friend.
2: Fuck that guy. Uh, I was going to say thanks for having me on to just kind of be a nerd and then to confuse David forever on like whether my comedy is genuine or just I'm just a weirdo. (laughs) I believe
1: your comedy. I don't. The Snyder Cut is the only thing that's throwing me because I don't know if because there are people who seriously think that it is the peak, the height of cinema. And then there's people that I really enjoy it on an ironic level. And I think it might be both for you, Chris. I don't know yet.
2: <laughs> I'm I'm still on Twitter. Hashtag release the the Snyderverse and hashtag release the monster verse 100 yeah
0: that's that's what i wanted to touch on but first of all i just want to say that i do know a lot of people who uh, really just really enjoy the justice league snyder cut which is awesome like i said i've seen it three times now so there's not i, I can only complain so much i did enjoy it more the other times I, before we close out that's one last question i want to talk about so this release the monster verse thing this is now making me not want another godzilla vs. kong
1: movie because I'm i mean like, they what what is is this a real thing? People are releasing or yes. tweeting yes. this? What are they it was, what are it they
2: was trending? This is technically the end of the uh the legendary monster movies because Toho's um contract with them is expired. Yeah, now. they
1: released the monster verse. This is it. <laughs> this is the yeah, end Yeah, well
2: people want more because they loved Kong vs Godzilla so much. <laughs> that's yeah, basically and it,
1: what it is. Okay. So they're just hijack. it's like when people say like Comicsgate, and it has really nothing to do with Watergate, but they're just writing the <laughs> yeah, the exactly. phrasing.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah. So if enough people bitch and moan, they'll get exactly what
1: they want. I'll uh, release
2: the monster verse. I'll grab my Godzilla figures right here, and I'll have them fighting each other, and I'll write a little script for it, and we'll just keep putting them out.
1: It sounds like Mitch released the monster verse in the bathroom after the movie too. So I mean, you can go about that hashtag in a multitude. It's true. It's
0: true. I totally did. I kind of. I hope if there's going to be another one, it's not because of fucking neckbeards on Twitter. I really, really hope <laughs> well, that we. Get, I hope we can just get movies the
1: old-fashioned way. I'm honestly pretty, and I know this isn't going to be what people in the states probably are going to want as a majority. But I'm I'm excited to see what Toho does with it again. Um, like, and I don't know that they couldn't make movies. I know that they did this deal with Legendary, um, but like Shin Godzilla was so exciting. And did to they? See what so they, was
0: they, that just Toho?
1: Yeah, yes. that was the Funimation yeah. Toho. Yeah. Oh god, that movie is so good. So, so I'm excited to see what they and they've obviously stayed in the animation stuff. I I, I watched the first of those three. Netflix movies. And I liked it. I thought it was fun. It's very sci-fi. There's like alien races in it. And Are like you it's... talking about the anime? Yeah, they did three animated like anime movies. I watched the first um, two and I didn't really care for them. I only watched them. the first one. Uh, there's a bait and switch in the first one that's great when they get back to Earth and it's overrun with monsters and they're like, Godzilla's here somewhere. And they find him and they start fighting him and they take all of their resource. This is a spoiler. They take all their resources basically to kill him and then a giant uh, foot stomps on them, and you realize that this was like not even Godzilla. It was a little baby one, and the real Godzilla is like forty times the size of the one.
2: They
0: were oh, playing. I like that. Yeah. Uh, Talk so about there's...
2: scale. <laughs>
1: yeah. Size does matter. Yeah, Ooh, that's that's every,
2: right. Every
1: I remember walking through. I grew up in South America, Brazil, and I remember walking through the mall uh with my family, my 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 Christian missionary parents. <laughs> that's why they were in Brazil. And asking my both of my parents, because that was on the poster at the time, got that Godzilla movie, asking my dad, like, what does that mean? Size does (laughs) matter. And my dad having to awkwardly come up with a fake explanation so he didn't have to be like, it's about dicks, son. Like, yeah. This is, this <laughs> is why I'm still a virgin. Old. It's
2: because of that whole pro- product line of just size does matter. And I kind of always thought, well, I can never ca- compete yeah. with that. Yeah. You have like,
0: erectile dysfunction. Every single time you try to have sex, you remember size does matter. and am old uh, of
2: you to think I could try and have sex. I've barely been able to meet a female in my life.
1: Well, we live in a society. A <laughs> Joker movie, so... <laughs>
0: you fuckers <laughs> fantastic movie all right cable, okay, well plug your shit boys david uh where can people reach out to you online because they should be following if you're at all into comic books or horror you should be following david hopkins
1: thanks uh yeah at dc underscore hopkins on uh, twitter uh, everything on social media for me is dc hopkins because that's my Um, my industry credit name, there was already your
0: name on this episode too. (laughs) There was (laughs) already
1: a David Hopkins in comics when I entered the game and I didn't want it to be confusing. So I switched to DC. So, uh, that's why, but yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter on there and, uh, I have a website, Hopkinsletters.com. If you're listening and happen to need a letter for your comic book, um, email me and, if you're going to pay me, I'll do it. If you want me to do it for exposure, I don't need that anymore and I will <laughs> do not do it for free. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect.
0: And uh, Chris, where can people follow you?
2: Uh, yeah, you can follow us on Inside the Sequel um, at Sequel Pod or uh, yeah, Sequel Pod um, on Twitter. You can follow me at Hurtastic underscore Chris. Um, basically we just tweet about sequel movies and shitty opinions that luckily I have close friends who support it on. And I also have a YouTube channel at her reviews where it, it just aims. It has no direction. It's just me getting drunk and talking your, about movies.
0: Your YouTube is my favorite thing in the world <laughs> because like, you never know where you're going with it, but your YouTube <laughs> account is some of the funniest shit. It's like top five simp movies, yeah, <laughs> top five <laughs> sus movies. <laughs>
2: It is such, it's like such bottom feeder trash of the internet that we have a humble few following, which I deeply respect and love. I'm one of them. And yes, and we're just one, we're just one vodka Red Bull away from being a pro Jared account. And uh, I just hope we never cross that line. But yeah, if you ever want to follow us. Fantastic Chris, Chris, reviews. I
0: just want to talk about we Chris posted a fucking YouTube video a week ago. It said my last episode ever. And it was 20 <laughs> minutes of him review reviewing Garfield on Blu-ray. <laughs> With the slipcover.
1: That's rare. It's out of print. <laughs>
0: Like the live action Garfield. All right. Well, awesome. Thank you guys so much. For wait, 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 wait,
1: wait. Sorry. Andy and Dave will kill me. You can also follow Erie International on Twitter at Erie International. <laughs> I'm here representing the podcast. <laughs> and I didn't mention it all. Instead, I was like, hire me for your comics, uh, Erie International. This week, we're doing Banshee chapter if you want to tune yes. in.
0: There I you. saw that. Out. I saw it when it came out, and I remember uh, the person I saw it with. We both really liked it.
1: That's my so. memory, too. I've seen it. Yeah. it, it I was the person. Uh, yeah, no, okay. I, I saw it when it came out and also liked it. I don't remember anything else, so we'll see. I haven't wa- I haven't watched it for this week yet.
0: Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to hearing that. But also, if you are a DC Comics fan and you like horror movies, you should be listening to, listening to Eerie International because you can hear David and Andy talk about horror movies, and then you can hear Dave talk about uh, DC whatever shows, DC, DC, DC movie show
1: he watched that week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a huge DC star. I tee up big every cut stan. I tee him up every week. I'm like Dave, what horror stuff did you watch this week? And he's like, let me tell you about Supergirl. I'm like, all right, exactly. <laughs> Just listen to parts of my <laughs> of my setup and ignore others. That's fine. <laughs> I, I didn't
0: watch I didn't watch any horror, but what I did do is seven seasons of The Flash.
1: Yeah, I so watched like. 400 episodes of Yu Gi Oh this week, I never <laughs> know, Dave yeah so kingdom speaking.
2: is some of the best tv ever and in the history of television
1: i don't know what that means but dave will know <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> also uh we do have a, a website inside a forgot to plug that by the way
1: um yeah i always forget to
0: plug that for myself too we we have a because I, I know because i'm renewing our website this week <laughs> so we've had it for a year and i think i've plugged it twice on the show um. So, yeah, visit com. You can find all of our older episodes there. You can what, reach out to is, us. What's
1: on there? I've never been on your website before.
0: <laughs> well, check check it out. Uh, there's also <laughs> John, our friend, who uh, does the website for us. He put a link to his OnlyFans on that website. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can peep John's OnlyFans. Uh, yeah, com. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Hope you enjoyed this. I know that so many people are talking about Godzilla vs. Kong right now, and hopefully we gave you at least a little bit of a different conversation than what you've heard a hundred times already. All that out of the way, we'll see you guys next time on The Terror Table.